I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 370 of Video Games Hot Dog, a pirate radio show about video games. On the internet. Why is it? Jim was saying how cool it would be if instead of doing a podcast, some Apple-branded bullshit word that means nothing, if we were doing a pirate radio show. Uh, You said an internet radio show, and then Kevin said a pirate radio show. It was a team effort. We workshopped it. We got there, though, guys. We got there. Yo-ho-ho. And listeners, you got here for episode number 370 of Video Games Hot Dog, which we're going to do. Guys, prepare to walk We're going to do it in a row, 10 times. That third cocktail was a bad idea, but to be fair, it was not my idea. I was inadvertently, I was unexpectedly handed a third cocktail. If we'd paid the bill. Yeah, we were, if we had just left. It's true. More quickly. And then the guy came. The bartender over and accidentally like, made the wrong drink for somebody else, and was like, "Ah, you'd probably like this based on what you were drinking earlier." Yeah. Well, fuck. Good job. I got a, I got two cocktails. One was a phoenix, and one was a sphinx. Yeah. Which oh. of those mythological creatures uh, helped you more? Uh, well, the phoenix was more complicated. Was it on fire? The- is it like making you belch? Like, is it sort of coming back? Yeah. On you? Do you, not- did you have to drink it multiple times? Uh, I did not finish it because I did not want it to be reborn. It was uh, spicy. It was very spicy. It tasted good in the beginning, but you said it got worse over time. It did. That's nice when a cocktail has an arc. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> was the Sphinx like puzzling to drink? It was actually very straightforward, but then uh, you started thinking about riddles. I drank four glasses of water at dinner. Hmm. Yeah, you didn't even have a sip of cocktails, so you're probably not going to make a bunch of inappropriate jokes tonight the way you did on the last episode. (laughs) Right, including the ones you cut out. (laughs) That's true. Jim did have me cut out some jokes. They weren't jokes. No, they were just horrible comments that I made. Very uncharacteristic of you and weird and and pointless. Yeah. yeah, Anyway. Listeners, be better every day. (laughs) Let's keep talking about that. I'm up to... Are you going to ask me to cut out the part where we talked about that? No, that's fine. (laughs) <laughs> uh, unless we actually like decide to go like if this becomes like a therapy session yeah. and we actually go in detail into what we talked about and hmm. I would ask you to cut that part out. How how does that make you feel? I had 76 ounces of water today. Uh one time uh I was in uh, I was in a couples therapy a few years ago with the woman that I was dating and we did individual sessions and at one point uh, the the therapist in my individual session said, "Tell me about your mother," and I replied, "We're just we're shattering stereotypes about how this relationship is supposed to work here." <laughs> and but then, then I told him about my mother. I was death. like, "Oh, she's great." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's 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 the canonical uh, response to. Uh, oh, uh, well, we needed the eggs. <laughs> Riff gets it. You go to the psychiatrist and you say, my, my, my husband's convinced he's a chicken. You know, how long has this been going on? Yeah, like five years. And why didn't you come to me before? We needed the eggs. I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty oh, good I, joke. Did you ne- never heard that? That's a, that's, that's I, so, I, that's I, so I've, much a classic. It's a traditional. <laughs> I have heard it, but I just did not think of it when, uh, when the eggs came out. Cause I was still trying to think of how he got from Tell me about your mother too. We need the eggs, and I was like, I was talking like, to a psychiatrist. That guy probably wasn't a psychiatrist, because like so many of my friends have done like IVF. That like the idea of like harvesting eggs from a mother is like, <laughs> oh, oh Jesus, oh, man. yeah, right, like mm, bad. 
I spent a lot of time with your mother this past weekend, and it was great. That's true. We had ZapCon, Mar- May... Fourth and January, fifth. February, March, April, May, fourth and fifth. Uh, Mesa, Arizona, oh, shit, Mesa right. Convention Center. I learned something interesting about Zach. Huh? He doesn't remember the order of March, April, and May. Yeah, I fucked in the, up in the year. I forgot my mom's birthday this year because of <laughs> that actual problem. Well, but you didn't. You, where, you didn't fail to like wish her a happy birthday. No, but it was like eleven thirty when you reminded me that it was my mom's birthday, and mm-hmm. also reminded me that I'm a huge asshole and a terrible son. Anyway, to be fair, like the, those months don't have a useful uh, numerical prefix like October and December. I was listening to uh, you listen to the Omnibus Project about the the French Revolutionary calendar. Oh that's, yeah, that's why you're thinking about that. Wait, uh-huh. what's and, the French Revolutionary calendar? Uh, it was a calendar that was instituted during the French Revolution, and then when Napoleon uh, became the emperor, he was like, "Hey, what if I said fuck off to this calendar and we went back to the normal calendar everybody likes?" And everybody said, "Yay!" Oh, was that oh, the I was one hoping... with like Thermidor and? <laughs> All there were ten. Weird. It was it was very decimal, and all of the holidays and things were named after uh, like scientists instead. Yeah. Of, it was a very like enlightenment okay. uh, driven calendar. I, I was hoping you were going to talk about decimal time, so we could segue into Swatch Internet Time again. <laughs> Just dig deeper into that topic. But September <laughs> should be the seventh month. On it a, was like, mm-hmm. like nine, ten, eleven, twelve yeah. are sept oct. Right, because nov, they, they were the seventh, eighth, ninth, yeah. and tenth months. For yeah, a but long then time. but then Julius Caesar was like, hey, what if there was a cool month named after me? And then a, and, and Junius. So when they were Junius Bobbledoonery. when they were initially naming the months, <laughs> they came up with names for like the first six. And then we're just uh, can't think of any more names. We'll give them numbers. Yeah, because it's like Janus. It's probably the first one's named after Janus, uh-huh. the two-faced god of d- deceit and lies. Oh, I thought you meant Janus the secretary. Yeah, I thought you meant Janus the Muppet. Okay, is Janus the blonde hippie girl? She's, yeah, from, part part from of the band, Doctor Teeth. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, boy, ah, Janus, R.I.P. So what's February? What? Uh, it's named after Febreze, uh, which was what Smells the ancient good. Romans used to clean the stink out of their togas. Sure, sure. Out of their vomitoriums. <laughs> yep. Okay, and then Mar- hmm, March. March it's and n- Mars, so it's like that's oh, the month you go to war. I literally never made that connaction. Uh, April, April is Jim's wife. Right, okay. Uh-huh. So that's cool. That's what and that's named she was born after. in May, so you have the name of May now. Did you Did you skip February? No, we just couldn't think of February. No, it was Febreze. Febreze. Oh, Jesus that's Christ, right. did you that's did you sorry. skip listening class? No, I, I even laughed had a mini at that joke. I just suddenly, yeah, I just suddenly had had a. I, 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 I got some lost time in there somewhere. <laughs> Are you finding like receipts for plane tickets that you don't remember buying? Oh shit! Fe- and February and febrile. Mm. Oh riff, be careful. Hmm. Mm. Defibrillary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, just March and it's, it's really just, I, I know January is number one yeah, and I know February is number two. I okay. just have a really hard time with like, is it just Mar- March and May? It's is it, March, is it, April and May. But is it that, the March, May ambiguity? Cause they both I, start with MA. No, it's March, April and May are the ones that I just can't reliably like associate with a number. I think I always know what number of month it is. Okay. Although I say that now, is it five? It now? is. Okay. It's five. Okay. So yeah. No, I always is it because to count them up. Time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> no, it's yeah. always been like this. I just never learned. Okay. 
Did I ever tell you guys about the weirdly racist Sesame Street LP that uh, my friend Roy and I had when we were... I don't think so. There was a there was a Muppet for a while, and this is parodied in uh, Saturday Night Live, Arrested Development. Okay, <laughs> the television show that I couldn't think of the name of, uh, where he has that like black ventriloquist dummy puppet for a while, who is based on Roosevelt Franklin, who was a very like jivey black Muppet character that existed for a while on Sesame Street. And we had a record where Roosevelt Franklin Roosevelt Franklin would teach you like the days of the week and the months of the year and like the numbers up to twenty or whatever, along with some of his friends who were very caricature and problematic. But I if I had had that record as a kid, I would know the order of the months, but I do not. I think Mobody Mosley uh, was the was the the neighborhood character who knew the the months, months of the year? Yeah, and also he loved him some string beans, and said as much. I loves me some string beans. Is that a? He said. Is that a? A black stereotype? stereotype. I don't know. Weird. The way it was said felt like it. Felt like it. 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 It was. Huh. If this is a problem you're legitimately interested in solving, you could get some flashcards. That's true. There's a, I forget what the name of the, there's a spaced repetition app that comes up in these discussions whenever people talk about flashcards. The idea being that um, there is a, uh, a rate at which you can, um, you have to best, be, best reinforced memories. Yeah. Yeah. A rate at which like you, if you, if you are reminded of a fact Every like at first it needs to be like every day, but then you can drop down to like once a week. Yeah, like three is March, three is March, three is March, four is April, four is April, four is April, five is May, five is May, five is May. That's all I need. Well, I just need those three. I know all the rest. Alternately, right, but, you, but you need that every day for like a week, and yeah. then you can drop down to like once. And I, I think the idea being that like if you have this app, you have a this big pool of stuff that you want to remember. Mm, so it can and, all get mixed oh, together so much just, easier. Yeah. So you run it every day. And like are reminded of the things you need to remember. I, I cannot think of anything else that I would want that for, though. Like I generally right. feel like I remember things pretty well. This is just a thing that I should have internalized as a child and didn't. It right. was like if you just like didn't know if you just like if you were constantly mixing up like six and seven. I miss I mix up what east and west. You all mix the up east time. and west. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah me too. And yeah, I, I just do don't think there's any way of fixing that. I think like, you should just get a tattoo on your hand that says "Remember Sammy Jenkins." And also it goes March, April, May. I have, I have wanted to like, I should, I should like get some flashcards that up so that I can learn to sight read music. Mm. But then like, I, I get option paralysis from like, okay, wait, am I trying to learn like, like that is an A or what key I press on the piano to play yeah, that note. Yeah, it's the piano or, is the thing. Or, but what, it's not even, it's none of those things, right? Like sight reading, like Fuck it is hard, and I don't understand what people have in them that allows them to do it. <laughs> well, like what I, I guess what I probably what I want to learn is, is like to be able to look at a a melody written out and then hear it in my head. And I don't know how you translate that to a flashcard. Like I can, if I look at like a single note melody line written out on a staff, I can like whistle it, and I can slowly arrive at it. Like. Every once in a while, there will be a mystery hunt puzzle. Like, so there was a mystery hunt puzzle that was 
a bunch of piano line. It was a bunch of like just melody line piano music for a bunch of police songs. They were songs. They were just like songs that you knew, and I could just look at them and figure just out from which the shape of the yeah, just from yeah. The, from the orientation of them and and stuff. I could figure out which police song they were. Some of them were harder than others, but like I wouldn't have been able to sit down and like play it on the piano, and it. And I also wasn't hearing them in real time, which that's what you want. Like in order to be able to sight read and play them, you need to be able to to do it in real time. And I was at like one thirtieth of real time. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I, I could imagine sight reading if you never had to do chords. Right, a single like, note at a time. Yeah, is that, maybe that, possible, yeah, but the fact yeah. that people can do just kind of these arbitrary chords blows. I think well, there's there's think only that's... so many things that sound good, and there's a you end up doing a ton of shorthand, and yeah, like maybe I, it doesn't really matter if you fuck it up because it's still going to sound good. I think probably a lot of sight singing is just like okay, it's in this key, the gap is like about this big, so and that that's probably this. Yeah, and it's like you, no, there's no expectation that it's going to be exactly as written. In right. fact, there is the expectation that you're going to put your own stank on. Right. The the sight reading like more complicated um, uh, like chords and like other like more complicated piano pieces that's that is more of a as far as I know it goes right from the eyes to the fingers and you don't like know what you're going to play until your fingers do it hmm. like the opposite of a contact lens. Uh-huh. What have you been up to, Jim? Uh it's been more than a year. I should give a suspender update. <laughs> okay. Uh, you. Uh, <laughs> do you guys remember over a year ago I talked about... Uh, giving up belts for suspenders? Yeah. yeah I do remember that, yeah. but I didn't realize that this was going to be a recurring yeah, segment. Have, well, it's not... <laughs> have you? Oh, yeah. No, I've I've worn suspenders every day you've seen me for the past year. It's I under, would like to point out it is not obvious under your shirt. Yeah. Okay. That's what they're for. Like these are they're shirt suspenders for under the shirt. So it's okay. like a pants bra. It is like that. <laughs> well, wait, wait, okay. no, wait, no, wait. It is for supporting <laughs> and displaying the pants. <laughs> It's for it's for soaking up any errant milk that comes out of your pants. Oh, like, I know. That, that, mm-hmm. I knew even as I was saying that 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 Riff was going to regret it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. And you don't feel like your nuts have been in a vice. No, in... no. We talked about this last time. Yeah. My theory then was that I had heavier pants than you did. Okay. Um, because yeah, just, your suspenders have always been too tight. Zach. But if they're not tight, I mean, I have only worn suspenders once. Uh huh. Was it? Were it, they decorative? Were they adjustable? Or, yeah. 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 Maybe you should have dressed them. Well, okay, but or maybe yeah. they were. Maybe you thought they were supposed to be like that. What? So why? Why? I guess is my. What? What are you gaining from from oh, this? Experiment? Like the, the the benefit is that I don't have to wear a fucking belt. Yeah, but which is the you worst? You have to wear something that seemingly significantly more inconvenient than a belt. To... So Does belt... April help you put them on every morning? No. Uh, so I've... Um... Just march. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've switched to a um, a side clip suspender. What does that mean? Which is like, imagine like a figure eight of cloth where like the bottoms of the of each loop are either there's a single clip that you then clip to either to, to the pants on or near the hip um and your arms go through the loops oh i see okay 
Does it go over your like sort it of goes behind your back? Behind your back, neck. yeah. It crosses at the back. That um, is even more like a bra. It is more like a bra. It's also, it, and this is how I choose to think That's about it. That's more like it, bra. It's also, it's more like uh, the uh, the the armpit holster that Bullet wears in sure. uh, the French Connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you get to feel so like you just need two points of connection as opposed to four. Yeah. Do you also right. keep a bunch of guns in there and no, knives I, I, and watered any, up like I, rolls of bills uh, and canisters of cyanide no it's, like, it's 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 do you just stick your suspenders off when just... you fly uh no they're all they're cloth and plastic I thought you were gonna say <laughs> when you have sex <laughs> <laughs> and i <clears throat> okay so here's so, a question is it a thing like is it a thing like garters where maybe maybe you know maybe you could leave those on um like so if you're gonna take your pants off you have to unclip them Okay. Sure, no, no, but you leave them on. You could. You, you totally take, could. You take or what hose, if you do you a thing like a garter off, belt where you leave the pants on, but like just you know unzip? Sure, that that would that would work. Like so, the the kind that are more like just that have um, two clips in the front and two in the back are just yeah. kind of like if you unclip them from the pants, they just kind of fall, fall right off. Uh, but the ones that are two loops that you stick your arms, they they do have like. I could go around the house naked, except for just with just a pair of suspenders. Except for the suspenders, yeah. <laughs> and they would hold; they would stay on my body. You could also clip the the front to back suspenders the to like your skin or yeah. something, or just wear a belt over nothing and clip the <laughs> suspenders to that. Yeah. yeah, I guess that would actually be probably but, but I did the this equivalent to, to, a to a not belt, wear a belt. Right? That like was just... the whole point. All right, so just are you also wearing sock garters? So I no, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, just so to get like the information out of the way for the people who are actually interested in this, uh, if you hate wearing a belt, then you know why I did this, and this is an option for you too. Why they don't show under th- they don't show like through the shirt. You can Not at wear all. them like you can wear them with your current fashion. Yep, zero uh, zero visibility. And I like the um, the side clips more because uh, they're less likely to like to rub against a chair when you're sitting down. Okay. Um, just in general, they they have a lot of, uh, and the, the disadvantage is that um, you have to place the clips much more precisely than you do the ones on the front and the back, um, because you only have two points of connection. What is it about a belt that is? Oh, it's constricting. It's like it's it's like like your guts are in a vice. So I think. Okay. I think it might be a question of like, because like I have, like, my belt sits on my hips. And so it doesn't actually constrict, but at some point, like belts like it, don't work that way, right? Like they, you just like they like your your pants are not are just going to slide right off, right? Like so. okay, yeah. And I mean, I guess, yeah. I don't know. Jim, Jim is a changes, gentleman. Jim is a gentleman of carriage. Yeah, this and, may and be a more so than me, thing. and I'm one more so than you. And maybe like somewhere between me and Jim is the point where belts become problematic. Yeah. It, they also like the physics of it changes when you sit down, and so like it. Mm-hmm. The, that's true the pressure is different like what you need the pressure to be a certain thing when you're standing up to hold the hold the pants up and then when you sit down it becomes uncomfortable well, time but there's the but then you can't do the zach's favorite thing where times are lean <laughs> oh yeah every time i realize that i need to take a take my belt in a notch i say kevin times are lean <laughs> and then i take my belt in a notch it's pretty good it's kind of like a running gag that we've had going for a lot of years now and it's uh that's you know, I don't yeah know. I think it's endearing. You could probably do the same sort of thing with suspenders, though. <laughs> no, there's no. Just as you get shorter, there are no yeah. notches. That's the problem. 
But it's adjustable. Well, the ones that the one that I have is just elastic. Oh. So there's no adjustments at all? Uh, actually, there might have been that I just adjusted once and then yeah, forgot about. Yeah, you could probably the the clip. Yeah, you're probably right. Right, they're, they're, it's probably adjustable, and I just forgot because I just did it on day one, and then never thought about it again. Yeah, good work getting it right the first time. Yeah, that's me. What are you up to, Riff? Any one-year updates on weird habits? <laughs> I want to hear more uh, about skateboarding. Tell me more about hat. Uh, I I don't really have anything new to report about the hat, except that it's getting time to to switch from my winter hat to my summer hat. Oh. What are those mm. two hats? Uh, they're the same breed of hat, the the flat traditional flat cap, except I've, the one is wool and the other is uh, linen. linen. <laughs> it, yeah, it's probably like polyester, but yeah. Okay. How's uh, the skateboarding? Uh, skateboarding is coming along. Uh, I, I have been lax about practice this packs this past week because I have not wanted to, uh, to wake up early in the morning to go do it, uh, while the streets are free of pedestrians. But, uh, uh, the last, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm at the point where I can, I can stand on it and, and push and roll forward 10 or so feet before it slows down so i like i can't push hard yet i haven't figured out the trick to keeping your balance while pushing hard enough to go a long distance but uh you know have you, have you learned there. the tic tacs uh i i have learned what that is i have not <laughs> i have not needed to learn how to do it like competently yet <laughs> what i i don't know what that is what is that it's, uh, it's you go. You you'd go ahead, Rick. Well, it, well, it's actually you. You might be thinking of something different than I'm thinking of because I have seen, I have seen that refer used to refer to like three different things. Oh, interesting. So, so what are what are you thinking? So I'm thinking of the. I, I use the word trick loosely because it was something that I was able to do back when I skateboarded, and I was not very good. So, like, it's a trick where you uh, push down on the tail of the board to lift the front wheels up uh, and then rotate so that you put the front wheels down in a different place from where you lifted them up and then you do it again back the other way. Oh, okay. So and the, it comes from the sound of the wheels right. hitting the ground. The, the, um, I, I, I think that what they call that nowadays is a kick turn. Although oh. I guess if you're doing like two kick yeah, turns in a row, maybe. that's like yeah, uh, that that becomes. So what a, have a you trick. seen called that? Uh, another thing I have se I have seen that referred to as as uh, if you're doing like uh, some kind of uh, like a a trick where you're running off of the edge of something and falling a distance or doing some kind of flip trick and you basically land it, but not quite. And in order to regain your balance, you end up tapping your board back and forth like that. They, oh, that, interesting. that can be called tick tacking. Um, and also there's a thing that I've seen referred to also as uh, monster walking or Frankensteining. Uh, which is where you you have your feet spread out wide so that they're all the way at the up either end of the board, and then sort of um, 
basically doing what you described, but repeatedly back and forth with either foot. So like, oh right, where right, you're, right you're, side you're of the board goes pointing, up. Left yeah, side you're of the moving board perpendicular. To, you're moving perpendicular yeah. to the wheel. Oh, that's the, yeah. yeah that, that's sort of like that sort of like, like a uh, penguin walk kind of thing. The, yeah. So the wheels aren't actually rolling. You're no, just, that's yeah. a no, way, you're just that's a way cooler thing than back. what I described. But yeah. and yet, it's almost exactly exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's 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 way harder than walking. It's it's well, not sure. yeah. it's not use it's not like a great it's a it's a very simple trick I've I've done it like I it's it's I think its main use is like balance practice like you mm. you if you were gonna go down to the skate park and demonstrate your cool tricks you wouldn't do that one <laughs> but right I, I don't think but uh, yeah what I heard is that if you do a trick correctly for the first time in front of an audience. You never do it again, and they'll think you do it right every time. <laughs> do you think that when we are in nursing homes, the nursing homes will have, like, half pipes? I do think that, like, the the age of someone you might consider a skater has definitely gone up as we've aged, probably, probably directly corresponding. Do you think it will continue to do so until we are 100? Maybe I think there will probably be a a drop off where like, I, I feel once, like just once the, a person's the, bones become yeah. brittle, they they probably but stop they'll probably still have the skateboard. Yeah, that's they'll true. probably just like keep it in the room and they'll still be wearing Converse. They'll still, and they'll still have their like sub. They'll still have their sticker Thrasher T shirt on their Trapper yeah. Keeper. Yeah, <laughs> there'll definitely be PlayStations in the nursing homes. PlayStation ones. Uh, any, yeah, any the, otherwise, how, how can you play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1? Do you think that in nursing homes now, there are, like, I don't know, Ramones albums? I feel like there have to be. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Or do you think that something just happens when you get old that you suddenly like Lawrence Welk, no matter how... <laughs> yeah, no, I, oh, I know a guy... <laughs> I, I know a guy who, for a while, was, uh, among other things, a hospice nurse... And, like, most of the people he was caring for were, like, people who used to be, like, into biker gangs. Okay. Um, and so so maybe, that, maybe that's a bad example because maybe these are people, like, in their 40s and dying and not, right. like, old and dying. But, like... They did not like Lawrence Walk. No, they, uh, they liked, you know... Speed metal. Yes. Yes. They wanted to. You be, do know they wanted to be buried <laughs> inside the gas tank of a Harley Davidson, right? <laughs> they wanted to be an Easy Rider. Have you ever seen Easy Rider? Yeah, the ending's real depressing. My my memory of it is that it was kind of boring, and I didn't really understand why it was so important. Yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> kind of, I kind of feel the same way about like Lenny Bruce. And Lenny Bruce is a thing that I really wish I understood what it was about it that was important. Hmm. And maybe I'll get there. I I uh Google Play Music just recently got back uh the ability to have Smothers Brothers albums <laughs> on it. Like I remember when I first started, like Whatever service I was using before had some, or maybe just like I'd bought a couple of Smothers Brothers albums on iTunes. No, but now was, suddenly Google Play has all of them. It was that other, it was uh, Jim's. Oh, thing. yes, Ardio. Ardio had like two albums. Yeah. One of which does not exist on Google Play Music, but Google Play Music has way more of them. And I listened to a bunch of them on the way 
I drove from from Zapcon to back to San Francisco yesterday. Huh. And did you listen to them doing like yo-yo tricks? Weird racist songs kind of yeah Jeez. The, but it what it i think i listened to some older ones than i ever had before and it kind of made me understand that like all right the smothers brothers are sort of the bridge between vaudeville and mm. modern absurdist comedy okay in in a way right like they were they were like counterculture vaudeville yeah mm. Like okay. them, and then laugh in after them. Yeah, exactly. And the, and like the, some, like every once, in, like some of the Smothers Brothers albums are just like kind of a little bit of comedy surrounding some just like very earnest folk songs, and then they sort of figured out their gimmick, which was like oh, an earnest folk song where like the chorus gets real. The chorus is the punchline of the. Well, but like Saturday Night Live has just regular performers play songs they're not like funny. yeah they, but they don't saturday night live i think doesn't do like comedy musicians ever really do they ever do like not that kind of novelty act i don't know has weird al ever been on saturday night live uh, well, what, what was the what was the the lonely island folks weren't they snl yeah they, yeah and they would have they would actually do some yeah of their, like, that's pretty rap that's pretty songy parody but that's not their musical guest mm. right like, no no and i think they always have somebody who just sort of does a straight musician yeah which is weird right because like it's they've, like they've hosted like uh tenacious d yeah oh did they okay that's that's a novelty act but they also like rock pretty well like it's a legit music act that's as true well. like they're a real band they're, yeah. they're and, and honestly more so than like uh i don't know flight of the concords I, sure. do you think that flight of the concords were ever the musical guest on saturday night live no i bet they were not but they, yeah. But like, I don't think it's because they were didn't rock enough. I think it's because they just were never famous enough. And their show was like initially before they had the TV show was just a music like a musical comedy. Yeah, that's act. my point. But oh, like okay. novelty, like comedy music acts is not oh, the kind, not of, the kind thing of thing that Saturday Night Live has. Because well, they're yeah, they like get like huge bands yeah. to play there because of their it's stature. Prestigious. Exactly. Everyone should watch. Uh, a futile and stupid gesture on mm. Netflix. It's oh, a very yeah. good movie. I like that. It is good. Kevin and I went to ZapCon. Yeah. Kevin, tell us about your experience of ZapCon. Uh, so this year I did not have to do a, as much sort of preliminary work as in previous years because in previous years we had personalized name badges. And so I had to organize all of the like 500 personalized name badges for easy pickup when people would come and so like grouping them by like jeff jones ordered six badges and they are the following names and yeah. then he had to go through and find all of those and loop them together because they knew they would show up all at once yeah it's fucking terrible it was bad i'm so sorry buddy i mean it's fine it it is a way to do things it just took a lot longer to actually like check people in this year we just didn't do personalized badges and everything went so much faster it was so yeah, much nobody better. complained to yeah. me yeah, there were like a dozen people who were like, I don't have my name on it. And I'm like, no, sorry. Here's but a Sharpie. Is the, I had assumed that when people did, when, when the organizations did that, it's so that you wouldn't bad share. We are we, not really concerned about that. Yeah. Like we're not yeah. there trying to make there's money. There's hardly anybody trying to sneak in. Well, sort of. This year. This was, man. So this year at ZapCon, so I work registration basically the whole time. 
Uh, and this year, uh, we there was so we do it at the Mesa Convention Center, and the Mesa Amphitheater is right next door. And for the first time in seven years, there was a major concert on the same night as Zapcon, mm-hmm. and it was a band is a rapper, a rapper, a rapper named Juice, Juice World, W R L D, all caps World. with no O. And he was born in 1998. Yeah, Wikipedia assures me he is a. A, a good rapper and also the immense crowd of teens is it was evidence. A sold out show. But the line to the amphitheater w- was massive and it went right past. Like it wrapped all the way around our building yeah. <laughs> that Zapcon was in. And so all of these teens have to use the bathroom. And so they're coming into the building thinking that, oh, I can just come into this building and use the bathroom. But right. it's, it's like, just like a hundred. Or so two hundred extremely confused well, teens. Well, there was yeah, like once they got in and they were like go into the bathroom. The bathroom is like around the corner, and so then we're like they're out of sight. And I'm like, we don't really have the staff to like make sure that people aren't just sneaking into the rest of the show. And so people, there were a couple of people who went in and went and got beers, and they were teenagers. Like that's the fucking convention center's problem. It is, not ours. but it like it's just also bad. good job those teens. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Seriously, fucking nice work. Like, sure. Remember those prom teens that came I to do. like ZapCon two? They were so great. Yeah, prom teens were good, but they were like, that was like a self-selecting group. This was this was a group that like wandered yeah. in without knowing what they were getting into. <laughs> Wait, so where did the beer come from? We had a bar. Oh. We we like on the Saturday night of ZapCon. Well, the Saturday from it's noon from until noon night on of ZapCon. Yeah, we uh, we had we set up a bar and had like. Beer and and booze, uh, because it's a uh, we want to have a variety of interests that you're being catered to. My when my my girlfriend stopped by ZapCon and she said that while she was in the bathroom, uh, she said there were definitely some teens helping each other throw up in the stall. Wow, next to mine. And I said, do you, I don't do need you think help it was, to do that. Do you think what it is... was heat stroke or like day or like they were pre gaming the Juice World show? And she's like, ah, it was a little combination of both. I think. <laughs> Yeah, they were outside in the sun for like two hours in like, this line. It was bad for them. Is this like bonding behavior, like helping each other barf? Yeah, you never, you never like held a held a gal's hair hair while she barfed. No, you didn't never really drink. No, but has I have barfed. Held, has anyone held your hair I, while you barfed? No, I put it in a ponytail like I do every day. Yeah, but then, but the That's end of it could come around and get in your barf. Yeah, yeah it you, never has. You mm. never wore it down. It's anyone ever like held back your beard? While I've you never. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and I have definitely had to wash puke out of my beard. Okay, so like maybe okay, I get it then, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah imagine same, somebody who loved you. I've grown as a person thanks to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's only taken how, how many years? I'm 40 now. I'm. Well, I was. I wasn't saying your whole life. I was saying how long we've we been recording this podcast. But oh, sure. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm 40 now. <laughs> Fucking juice world. Yeah, you were 20 when you walked into this room, so <laughs> sorry. Juice world. That, the, the rapper's name was Juice World? Yep. Yeah. That's a pretty good name. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. It was the- uh, His real name is like Jamal Higgins or something like that. Juice World, That's I would definitely you, go by Juice World You would world definitely instead. go to a Juice World concert before a Jamal Higgins. Well, yeah. but also if my name was Jamal Higgins, yeah. you, you just decide to be Juice World. Yeah, you call me Juice for short. Sure. The uh, the you could the bass from the show sort of God. shook 
all our entire building. My experience of that was that it was only audible in the bathroom, and so I only ever got it in concert with the sounds of like nerds shitting, (laughs) (laughs) which was like, all right, this is a this is a style. (laughs) Gonna leave now. Zapcon ruled. It was. It It went really smoothly. This was the best year for sure. Yeah, we built a room escape for it. Yeah, Uh, how'd that go? Uh, it was good. Uh, uh, Jake Video Games Rodkin came down a couple days uh, ahead of time and, and helped with it. And uh, he did what he always does, which is to just apply a quality multiplier to anything that he works on. Um, so you basically designed all the puzzles. Yeah. I made I made these, like, a bunch of, elect- well, three electronic puzzle boxes. The theme of the room escape was that it's Zapcon 1979. Nevin Mergen from Panic made us this incredible poster, the Zapcon 79 poster. If you are a video game hot dog Patreon backer, you might be getting uh, this poster in the mail one of these days very soon as a weird fucked up postcard that I'm sorry that Staples printed at 4x6 instead of the size that they were supposed to. But... Yeah, Jake came down, and I had made the puzzles, and Jake did a bunch of uh, – Jake just did a bunch of polish and uh, set design and lighting uh, work for it. And we had a we had a nice little, like uh, – we were giving people 20 minutes to get through it. And so we, you know, we're getting people through 30-minute increments with the reset and the explaining what to do. It had two rooms. It was – you'd solve some electronic puzzles, and each of them would – let you unlock a lockbox. The lockbox had a patch cable and a couple of pieces of like a, you know, hey Riff, do you know that kind of plastic uh, from like the 80s where when you look through it on the side, it kind of glows like it's fiber optic? Oh yeah, like it got used in like action figures and shit all the time. Yeah, so we made uh, like a jigsaw puzzle thing, like a tangram kind of puzzle out of that. Nice. Uh, Roy, Roy, the pretentious artist uh, of KOL fame, uh, we, he, uh, Laser cut, yeah, he laser cut it for me. But we we had to we went to this. Uh, there's like a makerspace in the science center in like the this mu- like a science museum thing in the, like a public thing in in uh, in Phoenix, and it was a really cool space. They had a lot of uh, they had a lot of tools that you could use, and a lot of signs about how to solder and stuff that I wish I had read before I <laughs> did a terrible job soldering all these puzzles. But yeah, Roy, uh, Roy helped me uh, laser cut this thing. So anyway, you would solve each of these like puzzles was like an electronic kind of black box that you would do one thing or another to, and it would reveal a code. The code would open a lockbox. The lockbox had a patch cable and some puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces corresponded to this big patch panel that we had built that was uh, bolted to the front of an old arcade cabinet. And when you put the cables in, it would, like, light up a green light to say that you would put the cables in correctly. And then the attendant would say, all right, well, you know, you've gotten power restored to the machine, but it's still not working. You're going to have to go inside the game. And then you would reveal the secret second room of the escape room, which was just like a cool, like, blacklit Tron maze that we... Built in the, in the uh, in the in the second room, that was another thing where you you and Jake did a great job of like mounting lights and blacking out the windows and stuff, and then I just put a bunch of colored tape on the floor. It was good. And there were kickballs that were hidden under these IKEA boxes that you had to put in some rings. Jake <laughs> made a video. Uh, 
it I wish this had worked out a little bit better, but the the video player had some kind of auto contrast adjustment thing that made it not really work. Oh, sure. What it was supposed to be was when you went inside the ar- when you went inside the arcade game, there was a big projector screen on the wall that was showing a picture of the previous room just reversed. And then when you did the thing you were supposed to do in there, the attendant would skip to the next video, which was like a reversed video, like arcade game startup sequence superimposed over it, like you were looking out through the screen. It was very good. Okay. It was it was so much higher production value than anyone had any right to expect it to be for like a pop up room escape that we didn't charge for at a convention that like it's really on brand for us. (laughs) Set expectations low, deliver high. And then leave without saying anything or getting any credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or any money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's definitely our style. There were video games at Zapcon. Did anyone play any video oh. games? I did not play any video games at Zapcon. I feel like that's the that is the like curse of running a convention is that you don't get to participate in the convention. I played two video games. At Zapcon. Zapcon. Yeah? <clears throat> One of them was called Space Firebird, which is an arcade game that I had never seen before. Okay. It was a cocktail table, and it was like, I don't remember which company it was by, but it was by one of the big ones. And it was pre-joystick. It just had like a left button and a right button and a fire button. And it was, it was just kind of like... Galaxian or whatever, but it was like one of those games from 1980 that they didn't that didn't catch on, and so you were just moving back and forth and shooting like space bugs. It was sure. raster rather than vector. Did, like, did Galaxian have a joystick? I think so, or that might have been one that was yeah. like on the cusp where yeah. sometimes it had button like left and oh, right yeah. buttons, and sometimes maybe, it had maybe, a maybe somebody modded it to have a joystick. Yeah. I remember Space Invaders was a button left and right yeah. button game, but Space Invaders was extremely early. Like Space Invaders yeah. was seventies. Yeah, um, I played another game called Eagle, which was I think by the same company, and it had a weird. It was also just a you had a spaceship at the bottom of the. Oh, oh, the the weird thing about. Space Firebird, space, yeah, Space Firebird. Also, that's a bad name for a game. It had one button for firing and then one button that just said warp. And when you pressed that, it gave you like an invincibility shield and then moved you slowly forward from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen, but you still had left and right controls. And so you could just kind of ram all of the enemies. It was just like a weird kind of, invincibility star thing that you could use when the going got rough. Did you have a limited number of warps? I believe you only had one per life. Wow. Yeah. Um, Eagle, as far as I know, it's just called Eagle. Um, It was like Phoenix. Also, yeah, sort of. Yeah, a lot like that, actually. Like, they're all like kind of... You're in space, you're a spaceship at the bottom of the screen fighting either bugs or birds. Like, these are all just kind of very thematically similar. Video game developers are brainstorming, what what flies? The, this one, you're, you're shown a spaceship that's in three sections in the very beginning of the game, and then for your first life, you're playing the front section of the spaceship where the shots playing are very close together. As the... F- First section of the spaceship? In, as your first life. 
you're playing as the front of the spaceship. Oh. It, they, they like detach and dock and stuff. And then like at a certain point, it's like d- there's a docking mini game where you have to wrap one dude's foreskin around the head of the oh. penis of the other dude. Uh, and then you're playing as both the first and the second section of the spaceship, and I think you have more firepower. But like generally, if you just lose, your your character is like bigger on each subsequent life because you're playing like further and further back sections of a kind of a triangular spaceship. Your huh. shots are spread out, which is an advantage. An advantage, yeah. And that like that was like more game design than there was in a lot of games of that era. Yeah, you usually like the the other example I can think of from that era is Kaboom, where um that's catching, a game catching the bombs. Yeah, that's a game where you have three I guess three paddles, um, and you go left and right to try to catch the bombs. And uh, when you lose a life, you, one of the paddles goes away. So actually, the 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 it actually means you have less time to catch the next bomb because um, the lowest one goes away. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, you're right, though. I had forgotten that there were multiple collectors. That game was wacky because it would get going really fast, but yet you could still sort of get into it. Yeah, Yeah. like that's that was one of the first games where I ever like I think experienced flow Mm -hmm. the way that they talk about you like getting into it. It was like, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah, it just doesn't feel like you can possibly respond that fast. Yeah, just work, and yet you just do. Like Uh. you're just, and I think it's like that sight reading thing, right? Like you get to the point where you're just like you're not even what you're just watching the top of the screen where the guy's dropping the bombs like so like also how did the Atari do that that fast like my memories of Kaboom is that 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 shit was like really really smooth and frantic yeah I haven't done the math but the the, the 2600 ran at 60 hertz well it ran at like the it ran at the native frame rate of a television right like it was writing scan lines before they yeah and so like you, you think of um I guess you would. How long does it take to reach the bottom of the screen? You divide that by a sixtieth, and that's how many frames that it has to represent the path of that object. It didn't accelerate, did it? Like the, when the objects were falling, they would just move linearly. They moved linearly, but he dropped more and more of. I think like he just moved faster left and right, and dropped more yeah. bombs as it got more difficult. That was the only game that you played with an Atari paddle that I actually like ever got good at. Mm. I like played enough of to be Night Driver. Eh. Night Driver. I remember my dad playing a lot of Night Driver. I didn't I was not interested in driving a, a car at night. <laughs> night Driver is like a sort of a comically bad premise for okay, like I, I, mean, I, I feel like that's probably just the what is like the limitations the, on the artwork or whatever. But it was, but it's just like it's it's at this point, it's it's at this point in the graph of like hard and boring mm. that is not. It's it's pretty similar, I think, in terms of what you're doing in. Uh, kaboom! Right, like because you're trying to like yeah. match a pattern that's coming down sort of at you from the top of the screen. It's just a very different representation of it and less exciting or interesting right. or whatever. But whatever. Yeah. Have you played anything, Kevin? Uh, I played. So I played a board game that was pretty interesting, or a card game, I guess. 
uh, called Arboretum. Have you ever played that? Mm-mm. It's uh, it's really neat. It's it's a, the the rules are very simple and straightforward, but the like level of complexity is kind of intense. The the level of strategy complexity is really intense. Uh, it is a deck of um, ten different kinds of cards. They're like they all have a tree on them, and each and each card is labeled from one to eight. So I think there are 80, 80 cards um, in this deck, and you like. I think I don't know how many players you can play with. We played it with four. I think you can do as, as few as two, and maybe you can play with more than four. Um, you deal out all the cards. Sorry, you deal out seven cards, and you have like a stack in the middle, and then it, 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 in your hand you have seven cards. You can put a card down in front of you. And then when it comes to your turn again, you can put a card down next to it in any of the sort of like cardinal directions away from it. And the idea is you're making a path through an arboretum. You're connecting trees. And the paths start from sort of uh, at the end of the game, you're going to score these paths. And you go from like the lowest number of a particular kind of tree that you have to the highest number as long as you can go along a You're building your own tableau in front of you as opposed to building a shared thing with Yes, you're building your own tableau. Everyone has a unique... So it's like... As you're playing, it's it's very like it feels very solitary because you're not doing you're not having any direct impact on anybody else's tableau. Um, but the 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 sort of strategy of it is that at the end of the game, you, you would be scoring like your longest paths from like lowest to highest of a particular tree type that cross a se- a sequential trees. It doesn't have to be the same tree, but you get bonus points if there's uh, if you're, it's all along the same kind of tree. Um, but only the person that has the highest total point value of trees of that type in their hand at the end of the game gets to score that path. Um, so you could spend a bunch of time trying to build a path, but then not get to score it at the end of the game because you don't have anything. But like increasing your likelihood of being able to score it reduces your ability to, to actually build paths build out of them. That's yeah. okay. Uh, it's it's really clever. Uh, it's it's a little more complicated than that, but it's that's the basic gist of it, uh, and it's just really interesting. And so it's a lot of it's a lot of sort of trying to maintain the card like cards that you are useful to you, and cards that like kind of prevent other players from doing their thing, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I played a couple of video games. Uh, I downloaded Faye, I think is what it's called, F E, uh, which is a weird game where you are kind of like a little fox with large ears uh, that are also maybe wings. Um, And you are basically just dropped into this world without any kind of explanation. And uh, you then interact with the world, right? There are some other creatures in the world and you can, you can like sing and they will maybe respond to you. And there are a bunch of plants that you can, sort of sing at and they may or may not respond to you and you're just trying to figure out how to navigate the world and learn things and so you like learn some additional songs from other creatures which allows which then allows you to sing to other plants or animals and have them do things for you uh and it's just really cool and like this sounds really cool well this sounds like the sort of thing that like i would either be really into or bounce off of immediately Mm mm-hmm like yeah depending on the quality of the ex- execution i think i think i was dubious at first and then got really into it 
Um, so I don't know if there was some threshold that I hit that just like, I was playing it on a plane, so I was kind of a captive audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, it became really interesting. And then there's just a lot of game world to explore. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of the like joy of the game is wandering around the environment and finding little hidden things, little nooks and crannies and yeah, stuff. This sounds very cool. Um, yeah, I, I could, I could pretty definitely recommend it as, as a thing that's like, there's there's a little bit of tutorialization, but not much. And it's kind of I almost wish that that tutorialization wasn't there. That they just left it up to you to even but figure I out what I always the, wish that about the every game buttons yeah. did and stuff. Because like that was always the the most interesting part was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that was a thing. Right. And, and figuring something out that way. Right. This is on Switch. Yeah, uh, it, it's on Switch. It's on PC. I think um, I played it on Switch, and it was great. Um, cool. And I. Got to a point where the credits rolled, but then you get, just get to keep playing because there's a bunch of things that you probably did, missed. Did you feel like you finished it, like in any meaningful way? Yes, there is a kind of narrative uh, because it's so alien. I don't know that I 100% really understood it, mm-hmm. and I also played it over the course of like two and a half weeks or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I might have just forgotten sort of the early parts by the time that the end rolled around. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, that's that's very relevant to one of the games I'm going to talk about. Okay, uh, and then the other game that I played is a is a super strange little thing. It was a it was a super cheap uh, game. It was on sale on the Switch. Uh, like every now and then, I'll just sort of look at the the bestsellers. No, sorry, the good great deals thing. And so like games that are on discount and have sold a lot of copies in recent weeks will be on that list. And sometimes they're like under a dollar. And I'm like, those are the weird, like trash ones. They're kind of, those are the ones that are like manipulating the algorithm trying to. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, But like I use use your little gold coin points on them. Yeah. It doesn't actually cost me 70 cents if, if it's a bad game. Exactly. Um, and so I got one called tactical mind. I was like, what is this? Uh, and it's really cool. It does. It's, it looks neat. Um, it's, kind of a weird hybrid between chess and checkers where you only have one type of piece at first they're just all pawns basically and you can um they have each pawn can have one action per turn and it can either spawn another pawn or it can upgrade a pawn or it can attack or it can stun i think um and then it it becomes sort of like disabled for the rest of that round uh and the pawns if they are near like crystals gain sort of energy which you then use to power the the powers for the next turn uh and then you if you upgrade a pawn i think four times it becomes like a tower and the towers can actually move um and there's a couple other sort of like specific things about the, how the rules interact that that make it interesting but it's like a two-player game and there's an, like a campaign of like 24 levels with or 28 levels with uh, AI components. So and like a story or is it There's just, no story. No, okay. no, it's just it's There's just, not even like a frame of what what this is all about. No. It's and the UI is kind of bad. Like it's very easy to click on the wrong thing and just skip your whole turn by accident or uh like if you hit the like menu thing, it's pretty easy to accidentally hit go back to the main menu, which just kills your game instead of resume. <laughs> mm. I've done that a couple times. Um, so yeah, it's. I feel like it definitely could have used a little bit more polish in that in that regard. It's 
it's okay though. It's I wouldn't I probably wouldn't recommend it to people to play unless they were like interested in some sort of weird abstract checkered chess game. Um, I wonder if there are people making a living selling games for a dollar on the Switch. I don't know. I'm guessing that you can't make like a fortune that way, but you might be able to make a living if you, especially if you can make like two of them a year that people. Yeah. Because the their top sellers list only cares about units sold, right? It does. Like, yeah, that's the problem. That will surely change the more people exploit it. I don't know. Yeah. They don't There's seem no to really good answer to that question. Well, and they just don't seem like Nintendo doesn't seem to have a bunch of interest in changing that experience for people. Like they they were talking about maybe adding like reviews and stuff to games, but they haven't done that. I don't like people are still very consistently buying West of Loathing on the Switch, and I have no idea how they're finding it. The number of people that are buying it as a card in a store is going up and up. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I H- saw hundreds of hundreds of units a month. Wow. From that. Wow. That's way more we're in, than we we're expected. We're in Walmarts now. Yeah, we're fucking Walmart. You can buy. <laughs> you can buy like A, I'm pretty excited that you can walk into a store and buy a game that I made on a Nintendo, mm-hmm. but I'm like a little sad that you can walk into a Walmart and then suddenly what like if I had known when we were choosing the amount that the retail partner gets in that deal if I had known it was going to be Walmart I would have uh, (laughs) I would have pitched hey how about zero yeah it's too bad you can't you can't uh, preferentially choose but but for partner the digital purchases are dwarfing the physical purchases and i don't understand how i do not understand how people are finding video games on the switch and buying them because it honestly might just be people searching for west of loathing we get recommended by nintendo that's yeah once every month or two makes sense but like yeah just the discoverability there just seems like like just like the, an uncaring universe. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just doing nothing for yeah. anything. It, it is kind of a weird. great big pile of yeah. list. Yeah, if if you bought a Switch today, you would have no idea what games what interesting games are on the Switch, I don't think. You you could maybe look at the top sellers list and a lot of those games are very good, but a lot of them are just exploiting the the algorithm. Um a lot of people recommend West of Loathing, just word of mouth. A lot of people will like go to Twitter, say, and say, I just bought a Switch, what game should I play? And West of Loathing comes up a lot. Hmm. So I think I think that just I think word of mouth is huge for us. And I think it, there's no way for us to like look on there. I like I'm just in general terms, like what the switch like trying to figure out what the switch landscape looks like based on our experience is so confusing. Sure. Do you have information on when people, like what day people are buying the game? Yes. So you could at least correlate that information with like, when are you featured? Sure. And we like, we definitely have more copies when we're on sale, which definitely features us a little bit more. We sold a lot more copies when Markiplier was doing his playthrough. But that has to be people searching for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or if a bunch of people are searching for it, does it start showing up in anything? Yeah, that's... There's no way in which there's no way in which interest in a game beyond buying it uh, surfaces a game, 
And you have to buy a lot of copies. For yeah, the we're show. not in. We haven't been in top sellers for a year. Yeah, because we're like, not. We're not. We're nowhere near that volume of yeah. the, the people in the top 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 seller charts. What a weird zone. Yep. What a weird zone video games is. Yep. What have you been playing, Jim? Put some more time into Hitman. Sunless Skies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hitman is... I'm still waiting for the... Like, I haven't even bought the season pass yet. I'm waiting for, oh. like, them to actually put out more levels, which apparently is happening. I asked on Twitter what when that was happening because I couldn't figure it out by searching in Google. Uh, and someone would, someone said it was there was going to be a level in summer and another in fall, so that's cool. Hmm. Um, and I'll definitely be talking about it then. I put more time into Sunless Skies... Um, and Zach, we had we both had the experience where like we died and reloaded a bunch. Yeah, that turns out to be a mistake hmm. because when you die and restart, you lose almost nothing. Oh, really? You keep your ship. You keep a lot, like all of your experience from from discovering locations. You keep your the money. Map. It, it keeps your map. It says your you map your is map. unreliable. I don't. Well, I, that didn't. It didn't seem to be unreliable for me. Okay, but it's, did it tell you that it was unreliable? I don't remember. Uh, I wonder if that means that you keep the like layout of the of the like obstructions, but the like locations might move around a little bit or something. Yeah, uh, maybe. That's interesting because it's. I did get the sense huh. that like if you can restart while keeping your map, or you can restart with a new map. Hmm. Um, and so it's almost like you are didn't don't lose anything except you have to do the like. Maybe you don't even have to. You can do the early missions again. Um, and were they the same? Yeah, they were the same, like, buy this and but, sell it. But none of us ever completed a mission, so that doesn't seem... <laughs> but I I did on the my uh, oh. subsequent playthrough. Because well, okay. if, you know, if you have a map, that makes a major difference, I feel like. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. No, I... I but, and then, like, I, I also... But, and then I remembered, like, I still actually don't have 50 hours to play this game because it was, it still takes forever. Even chewing away at it in a way where your progress is kept. It's it's a very, yeah, it's very slow. Um, so I didn't put that much more time into it, but I did discover, like, this is what we should have been doing and maybe, like, huh. I don't know. Uh, and I, um, I started a new character on Fallen London... You started so, a new character. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't remember anything about what was happening with my old one. Hmm. Um which like it turns out is oh, just right. you were tweeting about this. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah it turns but out like it's just your normal state when you're playing Fallen London. Like <laughs> that that game you doles out story like a, like a sentence or a paragraph at a time. Like you might get a couple of them a day for us to get any given story. Or you might get them like once a week if it's if they're if it's one of the longer term ones, and you're getting a bunch of these in parallel. And I don't know how anybody is expected to keep in their head what happened last on any. Yeah, I I never paid any attention to like it was, and and I like this because I think this is what video games are good at. It was all tone and all mood and no narrative i think that is where that game is strong yes yeah yeah but but aren't there probably actual narratives that you're just not there are almost following? yes but i, I, don't I am, think you really change anything as a person yeah i don't like, think you do either but you can still like you still get the experience of reading them like and and earning them 
Um, but like, and and I found out actually pretty recently that um, on each story lit, there's a button in the corner you can push to save the text in a, in your journal. Mm. And so like, if you hmm. uh, if you are aware of this. And you're aware that like, oh, this this is going to be part of a longer story later and you save it. Then you can go back and read them all. Yeah, but are you aware of that? No. Yeah, that's. Like, oh, wow. That's rough. Well, yeah. And there, there's no like recap. And uh, this is what I was tweeting about was how how terrible the player community is at wikiing this game. Yeah. Um. Like all the data is there, but. With no structure that, like, the way the player th- thinks about any given story is so, or or any given, like, even, like, if you think about it, not, not in terms of story, but in terms of, like, the way you actually interact with the game, there are these groups of storylets that you, like, loop through to do a certain action. Um, that loop is not, the, 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 the fail better folks call them carousels, you know, here's a here's a sequence of events you can grind through and repeat uh, and you get a little story. Um, and also you get like a fourth order currency or whatever. Right. right? You get one of this item that is one of the. Right. Um, that like the carousel as a unit is not documented any, well, it's probably documented internally at fail better, but like all the information is there on the wiki, but it's like if you grind up that, concept into sand and just drop it on the ground that's what you get (laughs) i remember when i was trying like you know three years ago when i was like seriously trying to like get through some stuff in in fallen london being very like frustrated by like the information that i want is there in this wiki but it is it it felt like a wiki that had been auto generated from a data dump mm-hmm. as opposed to like curated by a person mm-hmm. who thinks about things the way a person thinks about things yeah. yeah but it's not it seems like it's actually made by people in this way which is just fucking weird i i think it might be like someone might be running like a a grease monkey script that scrapes storylets as they as you play them or something. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense actually. Oh, huh. I wonder if there's. I wonder if there's like. Um... I mean, grease monkey doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I, I just meant that in that the style. generic, like whatever you would call that now. Yeah. Oh, and I wonder if there are like uh, markup modifiers that actually identify which story things are from in the code. Oh, yeah, huh. maybe. Yeah, um, but I'm still enjoying it because it's it's got great tone. Yeah, you know you you. Uh, I wonder how old some of that writing is. Have they? Do you think it's some of the original writing from? Some of it is, but like yeah, they they were they had plenty of people who were able to write stuff that fit in with it. Yeah, like, it, it 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 is a lot less grindy now. Um, really? Yeah, there's just more content commensurate with the amount of time you would you spend in each section. Interesting. Mm. Um, there is a, uh, I don't know if this is new, but they, there's a concept like a, I don't know what you call this grouping of storylets, but like there's a concept called making your name, uh, where every, um, stat you have has a, in each, in each area has like, you can do this one major thing and it gives you a huge boost to that stat. Yeah. And I think that's a, ma- that's 
and you can do it. You can only do it once. And I think that's the main way they've reduced. Like here's, uh, reduce the amount of time you have to spend grinding. Um, and it, it works really well, uh, except that like I still, I feel like I got to the second shadowy area, shadowy stat area before I should have, and maybe lost some uh, story opportunities that I should have had because. I got stuck grinding like 20 points of shadowy on the same set of like four things, which is a real bummer, especially because like normally in like an RPG, when you say like, okay, I'm stuck on this part of the game, I'll come back when I'm higher leveled. Like, no, that's where you go to grind, to level up that yeah, one you stat. Get Do you, as a person who has spent many years and many hours playing Fallen London, have any fucking idea what the opportunity deck is or represents in terms of game mechanics? Um, so yeah, it like events will get will go into your deck based on things that are true about your character. Like there are events that are when do things uh, go into your deck? Uh, they, it's every every ten minutes a new card is added. Okay. Um, and, and do they just pile up or do they stop? There's a limit. There's, I think there, there's up to six or maybe, maybe you get more if you pay. Um, uh, and they are based on like, if, if you have a certain house events will pop up that, that, that are related to that house. Or if you have like romanced this character events will come up related to this character. Okay, so these are like stories that are available to you if based on character state rather than like rather, well they're the character state of what location you're in or whatever. Right. So like, they come up to you irrespective of location and they and and you don't come to them, they come to you. Whereas most like of the other the events the other events in the game are like attached to a given location, you go to that location and you do that location's things there. Okay. And they're also like they can be uh, hidden behind certain player states or locked if you don't have those states. Uh, but um, if you qualify for them, they always show up. Whereas the opportunity cards, you have to wait for. Okay. And you can't like do the same one over and over again unless it um, unless it I, comes up again. I feel like when I was trying to accomplish a specific thing in Fallen London, I would go to a wiki and eventually learn that there was some opportunity deck horse shit that was yeah, necessary. That, that just means that you have to like you have to make sure that you qualify certain for it. Certain things are gated. Just certain storylines are gated behind opportunity deck things in between two things that you go out and do in the world. Yeah, and and sometimes things are like Sometimes you have to wait for a, a certain number of real-time hours or days, then you get a message. Hmm. Uh, sometimes that happens, too. That's kind of cool, though. I like that. Yeah. That's mysterious in a way that feels like this is mysterious because somebody else is deciding what I know, as opposed to, like, I'm fucking up playing a video game. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I, uh, I do still, I do wish that like, and, and like this, part of the problem is that if someone cataloged, like, here's what happens in this storyline, um, if someone, like someone could theoretically just choose not to go through the grind of playing the game, read the story on the wiki and get that same satisfaction from it. Um, and that's, I think why 
the uh, the developers are discouraging that from happening, maybe. Um, but there should be some sort of like the, the real way to solve this is to have like an in-game what has happened in this storyline button, and then you can read a summary of it. Yeah. Uh, Generating that stuff is boring. I yeah. I it, ideally it would be uh, it wouldn't be human written. It would be like um, procedural. Like somehow f using the existing storylets and right. and linking them procedurally and i'm not sure like i don't think but would, if there is but any, i bet like, some of them vary based on choices that yeah, you made there's any yeah, branching only matter yeah. cosmetically yeah, and so it's, it, and it's it probably, probably actually know that it's probably something that they would have to have um built the game built to the, support built, yeah exactly yeah yeah which is a bummer my wife has been playing a game called flight rising which is a a game about breeding dragons hmm. okay um is it like a phone game it is like a early web game, like okay. early two thousands web game, and like I, I feel like it is explicitly made to be and appear to be that because it also has like a forum community. Nice, um, and it's got a decent sized player base. But the reason I bring it up is that that's a game that's built around um, a uh, a system where you uh, where they. They have like a bunch of dragon templates that then can be colored procedurally in a bunch of different ways, like in a bunch of different styles, um, like di color different parts of the dragon in different ways. And then you can also like put like clothing or accessories on different parts of the dragon. Um, and they just had to have an artist basically draw all the like the combinations of layers to make it all work. And so like there's a, a, a something in the fact about like why is it taking so long to add this new kind of dragon type and it's because oh we have to redraw all the accessories to fit on that shape. Oh wow. Mm. And it's just like this is what this is basically what you're paying for with this game is like the artist time to make all these combinations of dragon properties look good or look of a piece. It's uh, it's something that like if like if you're, if the game is about that, you just have to put in the time. What's the basic gameplay of it? I actually don't know. Huh. It seemed like it looked like a, uh, like the when I look at her, what she's doing over her shoulder, um, she is like often uh, I. There are mini games you play with the dragons. I think that that ends up being like a Neopets kind of thing. Like there's an RPG style battle thing. I don't know really how that feeds back into the breeding, uh, but like um, there's a lot of like trading going on in the forums where you can you can trade a dragon and then to to another player or, or sell it. Um, and then there's like a a faction dominance thing happening where like whichever faction by some criteria has the best dragons gets a gameplay bonus. It, it seems like the good part of that game is like that game design is what I was talking about is the art mm. and is like the, the, the breeding mechanics just kind of as um, are a way to provide a way for the player to interact with the artwork in an interesting way and to pace out, um, 
if to feel like you know they they have some stake in like I helped generate this 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 dragon appearance, um, and to also like you have to wait for the dragons to hatch. So there's also also a pacing mechanism in there. Um, I don't get the sense that it's a very like slick game design. I think it's a like a very big messy game design with a bunch of extraneous stuff that often doesn't feed back into other parts of it meaningfully. Uh, but the core seems pretty good. The core seems like it's it's compelling. Uh, but that's that's uh, that's not a game I've been playing, so I can't say for sure. <laughs> uh, I have been playing. Um, Oh, I don't know if I remember the name of this right. Zach, you played this creepy castle. Oh, the... It was like a turn-based... It looks like a platform, but it's not a platformer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a like a side-on RPG, basically. God, where did it come from? I remember playing it a few months ago. It was on... I got it on Itch, I think. Um... I don't... Yeah, I don't remember where it came up. I don't remember where... I also... I think I bought it after you talked about it. Um... So this is a this is a game. It's a uh, turn-based side-on sort of a dungeon crawler where you are. Um, it's really just like a puzzle game, as, as right. Like, tell me about th- that opinion. Well, like you're not like fighting things and grinding. You're like figuring out where to go to get the thing that you need to go do the next yeah, thing. It's yeah, a, there's no... It's like a turn-based puzzle game Metroidvania kind of. Right. You... And I think I think that's actually like... Yeah, so there's there aren't... There isn't anything like a... Um, there isn't any way to grind. There's no like random encounters and there's no way to like refight an enemy you already fought if you're too weak to get more experience or whatever. Yeah. Um... It is basically like you're going through this maze, and maze is, when I say maze, it's not very maze-like. It's just there are a couple of paths, and you always go down every path. Um, And a lot of the fights are just like you both, you lose a certain number of hit points doing this, and that's just how that fight goes. And then you find uh, an item, and it's... you open a chest and it's played like a like your your like a random drop, but it's always like this health item that matches the amount of health you are you just lost. It does feel very rote. It feels like very much like you are going through this. It like it, it's laid out like a maze, but it feels very much more like you. No, you're just going to go through every passage. You're going to read every line of dialogue, and you have to do things in a certain order, kind of. But it's like just fights are just a different kind of door and the amount of yeah. health you have is a different kind of key. Yeah. Um, later on, they do add mini games to the combat. Right. Um, and so it is possible to like do too badly and fail. Um, but they're not good mini games. They're kind of like just what they, they, they what you get if, when you turn on the mini game faucet. Um, <laughs> Ask, and uh, talk to Transformer minigame faucet. <laughs> that's a good, that's Transformer would make much funnier minigames than this. Um, and like, I think the, the appeal is supposed to be the writing because the writing is like, it is, it is in spots funny. Like there's a, everything is really deeply tutorialized, which is frustrating like because so much so much of it is so simple and i think they even are sending that up because like there's a there's one book where that you read that explains how to use a food item 
and it's six pages long and it goes through the gameplay ramifications of food in like two pages and then spends four pages telling you how to put food in your mouth and chew it and then what ha- what your digestive system does afterwards um which is conceptually i think very funny but not particularly funny in execution and so like i ended up um playing this game for a while to see where it went and eventually like i stopped reading things because i got text fatigue and then i started failing the mini games because i didn't know how to play them because those were actually like i there were actually a few things that you're, you do have to read first mm. um and that's how that's where my game ended i remember really liking it i don't remember why i stopped playing it no uh do you remember what you liked about it it was it felt like tight like it felt like all right i'm just doing a sequence of things that were designed and that were thoughtfully put into this arrangement of space that was like oh okay i get it if i had been smarter about this i would have wasted slightly less time backtracking because this was cleverly ordered okay. or whatever and then i think i kind of remember getting to a point where it was like mm, now i know what the game wants me to do and i don't really want to do it so i'm just going to quit and right. it was fun yeah i i was i was frustrated by like feeling like it was the illusion of agency was kind of broken when i realized no you're just actually going to go down every path you're going to talk to every person you're going to get every mm. item you're going to kill every monster See, I don't, I don't and it's care. all going to be like it it's basically the the order in which you do things is basically dictated by the the level design um, no, i don't mind that it, I, it reminded me of void pyramid which i really really liked mm. um i still haven't got around to playing that but i think it's less like void pyramid can be pretty grindy if you want like you can just grind Choosing to grind is a form of agency. I love it. It's a form of agency that I love. Yeah. And I always want to make it available to the public in the form of my video games. And Kevin will say no, and I'll say yes. Have you played Future Grind? No. Where you borrow grind from the future? No, what's that? Is that it's, a real it's like thing? A, the, the tagline I just wrote it said is not, but the, the game name Future Grind is. It's, it's like a... How do you describe it? It, you're doing sweet skateboard rail tricks, but that's all there is, is it just rails. And you're like, there's it's like a, an abstract platformer. Kind of. There's a rail up above and a rail below a lot of the time. And you're like having to switch between the two. And you've got like these weird, you're on like a weird device with two sort of wheels. And you switch which wheel is attached to which rail. And you can do tricks by hopping up and spinning before you connect to yeah. the rail again and stuff. Like, I didn't actually play that game, but looking at the trailer of it, it looked like the sort of game where, like, they give you this level and you have to figure out the exact sequence of button presses you press to get through the level. That is definitely a way of thinking about it, yeah. And then it's a matter of, like, actually executing that sequence of button presses, which is, sure. like... That's there's, a, there's that's a form of impression, expression, though. Like it's, is there? Okay. Yeah, like wh- ha- whether you want to do a flip or not between okay. hopping off sure. one rail to Whether or not you... Parappa the Rapper is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, is well, it is a form that video game a lot made. of... Uh, it's a form that a lot of video games take. Like, I love rhythm games. Um, but I feel like 
I don't know. It just didn't. It did. It, maybe I'll maybe I'll figure out why it looked bad to me on my own time instead of allowed in this room. What have you been playing, Riff? Well, uh, speaking of grinding and rhythm games, I played a little of Patapon Three. I, is that new? No, it is. It is fairly old. I dug out my old uh, Vita uh, to play it. Um, I forget why. Something reminded me of the series, and 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 uh, I decided I wanted to play some of that. Um, yeah, that's a that is a that is a good old game. Did any of you ever play any of that? I played the first one. It's you know those flash games where it's like you have a castle on one side and there's a castle on the other side, and you have a certain amount of mana to make units with, and the units kind of fight autonomously. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that, except you are also playing a little rhythm game thing to make them like throw spears at the right time and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is it's it's uh kind of like that. It's like um each of your uh four face buttons corresponds to a different drum that you've got and specific uh four beat patterns of drum sounds represent specific commands. Uh so if you and and you have to you ha- you have to give the commands on like in time with the beat of the music as as your guys are marching or, along or or uh, or the button push doesn't count so like if you type in uh, i think it's like pata 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 pawn is for everybody to mo- to march forward and pawn pawn pata pawn is for everybody to attack whatever's nearby and then there's like one for everybody run back and dodge for a minute or everybody defend for a minute or everybody jump up in the air. Do you have to memorize all these, these sequences? Yeah, but it, it gives them to you, um, gradually. So you have time to learn each one uh, huh. as you go through the game. So do you, do you do this in, in the like rhythm with the background music? Yes. Uh, it, the way it works is the, every, every alternate, uh, bar of the music basically like one bar you're you're typing in the four notes that are going to be your command and then the next bar of the music your guys uh perform that command and then the like a call and response thing yeah exactly yeah uh the 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 downside is that it's uh um it's kind of grindy um but it's still i don't know it's it's fun it's it's an enjoyable game but uh, frequently you have to like you have to level up your guys and you've got to find sticks and ore to make the equipment for your guys and uh, and so on and so forth so you frequently have to do earlier levels a bunch of times before you're going to be powered up enough to take on the next mission in the in the uh, critical path uh, and although like even playing a mission that you've done dozens of times already, like the act of playing that mission is still fun because the art is cute and fun and the music is really good and the, the activity is really satisfying. But when you're looking at the menu of missions to choose from, it's super difficult to feel motivated to pick one that you've already done a dozen times. So that's that's always been. I don't think I've ever finished a single game in the series, basically because of that. Uh, but I always enjoy yeah, that like a playing them for as long as I end up playing them. 
Yeah, I remember spending like an evening with Pat upon one. But, cool uh, premise. It's cute. Yeah, it's it's cute and it's fun. It it just uh, I don't know. It's not not super respectful of your time. Fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the but, uh, although I mean I mean. It's it, it it is also a rhythm game, and like in a rhythm game, you're gonna be playing the same song a bunch of times. I mean, how many times have you played the same song on Rock Band? Yeah, my my concern with not having played it, my concern with Pat Upon, knowing that like it's based on these uh, patterns that you play over and over again, is that you'd get sick of hearing like that same one measure pattern over and over again, mm. which is like a much smaller unit of, uh, like a much smaller like building block to get sick of. <laughs> than like than... Ace of Spades by Motorhead. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, the music that you're playing it in front of is different depending on each level. Right. So there's that at least. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you two being the ones who played it should be the ones who should tell me whether or not you got sick of hearing pata 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 pan over and over again. No, not really. And in fact, it's, I don't know. It, that's, that's kind of part of the thrill is when you like, when you hit the, when you hit the buttons most accurately. So the, the drum sounds are their clearest. And then your little guys shout pata 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 pan. And they're like, yeah, hell yeah. Storm of okay. the Castle Gate, so guys. The solution might be to be worse <laughs> so they don't scream as distinctly. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else have I been playing? Um, did I talk about that Lord of the Rings board game? No. Okay. So I got... Um, check what it's called i can't really see the box from here but i think it's called middle middle earth or lord of the rings uh oh it's lord of the rings journey into middle earth i think um it's made by uh fantasy flight games uh who do who do all the arkham horror stuff and uh significantly the uh uh what's the one mansions of madness that they how they did that um Version With two, the app. yeah, version two of Mansions of Madness that has that app. This is another app-driven board game uh, like that, um, and it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's you get, um, uh, you know, you've got like your uh, your different map tiles that. Okay, that's that's a bad place to start the explanation. Um, so you pick. Uh, each player, or if you're playing solo, probably you pick two characters or multiple players. Everybody picks a character, and they're, I think they're mostly uh, your standard Lord of the Rings characters. Like, you've got, you know, Frodo, or no, actually, weirdly, Frodo isn't in it. Bilbo is in it. So you've got Bilbo and Legolas and Gimli, which is a weird combination, but I assume they just figured if you had Frodo, you also had to have Sam, and then you also had to have Merry and Pippin, and what the hell and are those guys going to do right? in this? Yeah. So, um, but you pick one of one of these, these famous characters to be your guy, and you get a deck of... You're basically... It's, uh, there's no dice involved. It's all um, card-based. 
you you have a deck of cards that's a certain number of cards that is each individual character's deck of cards. So you've got like, if you're playing Aragorn, say, you get the Aragorn cards. And then at the beginning of every game you play, uh, each game is like a mission in, in the ongoing campaign. So at the beginning of each mission, you you decide what character class Aragorn is going to be, if he's going to be like a hunter or a defender or a scout. And so you get, on top of your Aragorn cards, you also get the first few scout cards. And, uh, and then there's some ba- basic cards that everybody gets. And uh, those define like your combat skills basically like your combat skills and some buffs for doing uh success checks there's like the the main uh system is you have like a series of you know you've got like your wisdom stat and your agility stat and you're doing tests of that stat against a target number to 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 generate successes right um instead of dice you if you're doing a wisdom test and your character's wisdom stat is three you draw the next three cards off the top of your deck and there are success icons or not in the corners of the card and that tells you how many successes you get um so the trade-off is between uh, at the beginning of every round, you also get to take a card from your deck to sort of activate in front of you so that you can spend the mm. skill on that card later. So if all your successes are saved in front of you as skills, then that's fewer successes in your deck to make checks with and, and things like that. Um, and then also at the end of a mission... Um, depending on the success of the mission, you get character points that you can spend to buy more powerful cards of that particular class that you were playing. So like Aragorn can buy more scout cards into his deck, but then next mission doesn't have to remain a scout. He can just keep that scout card that he bought with XP and move to being a defender or something. And so you've got some customization possibilities there. Um, but that's like the, the resolution mechanic, the, the skill and combat works basically the same way. Um, the app handles all of like the story. The app is basically the dungeon master for this game. So when you start out, it says, all right, here's your starting map. Take tile, uh, 103 on the A side of it and put tile you know 201 b next to it this is your starting map your characters go here put a search token here meaning there's something that you can search put a uh i forget what the the um, name was put it like an enemy token here a threat token uh meaning a place where an enemy might spawn uh there you go and it tells you like your your mission um and as you uh, on your turn, you know, you can you can move and you can examine the counters on the map and so on. And as you do this, you are punching buttons on the app, telling it basically what you're doing. So, like, if you explore the nearby map tile, 
you tell the app that you did that and it says all right here's the here's the tokens and events that are on that tile and incidentally now that you've done this you can see the next tile here's which tile it is and you put it down so it handles all of the fog of war for you um seems like really amenable to the kind of solo play that you like doing yeah yeah it's very uh it's uh it's pretty good it it does some interesting things also with like because the app is handling um conflict resolutions like when you ha when you're doing a check uh for a skill test or something you're telling the app how many successes you got and it gives you a little bit of narrative feedback of how well you did right so like you know you got only one success talking to this character. Uh, so then, there's like, it's not just yes or no. It's like very narrative mm, variance. And that's, that's it's nice. different depending on the check. Sometimes it'll be like, you know, you're climbing a tree. Did you manage to get, <laughs> did you manage to get two successes or whatever? But yeah, there's at the end of the first mission I played, there's, I had to do a check to find a way into the bandits hideout. Right. And on that test, all it gave me was how many successes did you get? And, uh, and, you know, I put in two and it's like, all right, that wasn't enough. You did, you haven't found it yet. And it left the, the button there on the thing so I could try again. So I tried again with my other character and how many, did I, I got two successes. It's like, nope, that wasn't enough. And it's like, well, shit, I guess I have to get, I have to manage to get three successes on this roll. So the next turn, I did it again. It was like, well, shit, this time I only got one success. I put in one success and it's like, hey, you found it. Because, <laughs> because it was counting total successes across all mm. trials and, and didn't tell me that that's what it was doing or what my target number was. Whereas if you were playing a board game like this without the app, it would be yeah, necessary for you to know what the yeah. goal was. Yeah. So not knowing that, uh, made it a lot more interesting and tense. This is a lot of evidence that video games are better than board games. <laughs> I guess I guess the bonus of the of this being a board game uh beyond just the general tactility uh is that you can you can put like four friends around a table face to face with some beers instead of right. having to set up a LAN party or all get on Steam or whatever. Right. When I was a kid, I played a game. I think it was quest for the rings for the odyssey 2 maybe um and i didn't know like i didn't i never really made heads or tails of it and i never realized until much later that the reason i didn't understand what was happening was that it had a like a board game component to it that i just didn't know existed oh, huh. oh. um like you were supposed to keep track of stuff with physical tokens or maybe like there was a manual that gave you like text encounters um oh, i think there was an infocom game like that there was like a didn't they do like there's suspended infocom game called... suspended was the suspended one that had, like, kind the of map. had that that had the map and the tokens so you could keep track of your robots i'm thinking of fublitsky which i never oh. played but so i don't really know what it was but i know that it was like somehow a multiplayer infocom game huh but not a text adventure, I don't think. I think it was. Huh. 
I've never heard of it spoken in this about in the same yeah. context. Well, I'll do as some I'll do some stuff. homework and maybe yeah, I'm I'll curious. report back next uh, time. The reason I bring it up though is I'm wondering like if I were like a 10-year-old who downloaded the app because I thought I no. like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that would like, be weird. And didn't know about the board game. <laughs> it's well, it's the, it's it's pretty upfront about about this is a board right. game thing But it, like it sounds like from the way you're describing it, it sounds like you could still kind of have some fun. That's, you know, yeah, now that you mention it, that would be kind of, you wouldn't, you would be totally just making up, like, yeah. when it says how many successes did you get, you could put in any number you wanted, because you don't have any way <laughs> right. to actually generate those. Yeah, but, so it'd be like playing a Sagard the Barbarian book or whatever, where yeah. you're just like, yeah, of course I won this combat. Yes. Right. <laughs> Tell me what's up. <laughs> Oh, and the other thing that the app does that that is good is that these aren't uh, uh, these missions aren't static; they're replayable because it has procedural generation baked into it. Um, the uh, the I played like the the first mission of the of the campaign that it uh, comes with, and previously I had watched like the first three or four turns of somebody playing the same mission on YouTube, and like the the main like plot quest that they were given was the same as the one I got, but their map was totally different. And like my, my map had a side quest on it that they didn't have. So That's like, cool. yeah, so you can, you could play these, these campaigns like over and over and it'll <laughs> make them different for you each time, which is awesome. We're running kind of long and Kevin is Fallen asleep in his chair. Okay. So uh, that, should we talk about our? Fine. I can save the other stuff. I, I have to talk about easily. Should we talk about our assignment, Tales from the Borderlands? Oh yeah, which is one of the last two the uh, Patreon backer uh, uh, assignment suggestions that we put off because it was too long. I played the whole season and I fucking loved it. Yeah, I I did not get that far because I only started today. I got through the. I got I. Probably like halfway through the first episode, I got to the point in the first episode where the second character is introduced. Uh, hmm. First, that you finished the first chapter. So you got like five minutes in. Oh <laughs> no, it was like a half an hour or so, half an mm. hour or forty-five minutes. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was what is super good? Riff, the, what is your experience with other Telltale games? Uh, I played. Season Dead, uh, Walking Dead. Season, season Dead of the Walking One. Season Dead of the Walking One. I played the first couple of seasons of Salmon Max. Um, something else that I. I think you remember. did. You play like Back to the Future or the Jurassic Park. I might have started. I I own. Back I definitely to the started Back to the Future. Yeah, I think oh, I might have just actually... started it. I think I finished the Back to the Future season, and they just went through my brain like water. Like mm. I completely forgot that I played that game. So, Kevin, this was like your first Telltale game ever. Yep. What did you think of it? So, I sort of I had a vague idea of what the game was like, but I I had never actually experienced it, and it reminded me a lot of sort of a cross between. Dragon's Lair and Bandersnatch. Uh, so you're, there's like the quick time events where you're like having to move in a particular direction to like avoid being run over by a car or hit by a sword or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then there's the all the conversation options which you're choosing and which theoretically are changing how things play out, but you, you're not probably going to play through it again to find out if that's true or not. I don't know. 
like I guess there's a rewind option which I never tried. Is there? Yeah, if hmm. you're if you go back to the menu, it says like when you're picking when you're on the main menu and you hit play, it says it brings up the like chapter selection, right? And if you're on a chapter that you've already played through some of the cap the if you're on an episode where you've already played some of the chapters, you get a rewind button where I think you can you can like I think they probably do hard saves of your character at every chapter is my guess. Yeah. Hmm. So you can go I'm, back. I'm pretty sure that they uh, delay the results of your choices enough that you feel like you you have to commit without knowing what you're committing. Sure. To. Yeah. I so I want to preface it by saying that I actually really enjoyed it and would and I'm thinking that I will because I only played through the first episode, I, but I would I would probably play the rest of the episodes at some point. Um, but I did feel like I was just watching a movie. Except it wasn't as enjoyable as watching a movie because I was stressed you kept out being interrupted by having to make choices. Well, and, and just stressed out that yeah. at any time I was going to have to like do something real quick. I, I um, feel like so Telltale started out by making like almost Lucas Arts style adventure games, yeah, where you are walking around a space, solving puzzles in the space, interact. Like you choose to talk to this character, and yeah, the characters that's just right. that's sit what the there. first. Sam and um, Max's were like Yeah, the Sam and, and Max ones were very much the, like the, that. And, and like the strong bad one is like that too. Yeah. yeah. Um and so there's a lot more walking around and like talking yeah, yeah. static. It's a, like entirely you're an walking around game. and there's no cutscenes. Right. So that's and, more like an adventure game, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well and and so I don't know what the evolution was like, but the big breakthrough for them was Walking Dead, which uses this format. And so, like, it, there's the, a little the first of... episode of The Walking Dead, there's that bullshit, like, putting the batteries in the radio puzzle. Right. Like, there are some adventure game-ass puzzles in episode one of season one of The Walking Dead. But it's like, it wow, that was not what was good about that at all. Let's stop doing that. And it, like, really found its, yeah, let's... found its footing and then established the formula that Telltale just drove into the ground until they went out of business. But it, I don't... In episode one, I feel like there was, it was wasn't exactly the... a puzzle, but like you had the opportunity to pick up a, an, an ID chip, an ID chip, yeah. ID chip and, I, and I have no idea what would happen if you didn't pick that uh, up. They must, that is such a critical plot thing that happens as a result of that, right. that they must force have you to some do other, it. Some, yeah. You think there's there some, must be some way up. of forcing you to do it. Like, Or do you think I, they just there force was a, you to, they like have some other workaround in the plot? So I was playing this game on the phone. It would be and weird. And at one point. At one point, I had to replay a section because, like, I put my phone down. When I picked it up again, the app had you'd restarted. Lost, you'd and, lost progress. Um, and I, I played through a certain section again, where the section where you're walking past all the museum displays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so that's, that's where you get the ID. Like, yeah. I tried just walking past that dude, um, and the guy I was with pointed him out. Okay. And force and force you to take the ID chip. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Oh, because yeah. okay. like you, the the plot would not make any sense if you didn't get that because that. Well, there would have to be some other fundamental way in which you could. No, it's specifically ha you had to get that thing. It it, be, it becomes even more important later or something. It, it's yes. Oh, it, okay. Like it introduces a main character. Like that oh. object that you find introduces a main character into the story. Oh, weird. Okay. Interesting. And like it couldn't possibly not, oh. that character could not possibly be missing from the story I and have see. it still be now the same. I'm understanding more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the 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 choices you make, like the 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 thing that people latched onto with what the Walking Dead was the illusion of your choices having mm. a big impact on the story. And it you turns will remember out, this. Right. And it turns out that that is 
probably more sleight of hand than anything else that like hmm. the, but, so but so the in, feeling is still like, yeah potent like basically you there are points where those things matter right like where it's like there are elements where this person will either help you or not and it's based on the things that you've done in the past that they've said they will remember this but you they're know. still trying to tell the same story. They are. And so, like... So, if you tell the Loaderbot to self-destruct, does it self-destruct? It does not. Okay. It still comes back and is still... Ama- so, in this one feels even huh. worse. Like, You're just okay, totally unreal. This is not to say time. that Walking Dead Season 1 was bad. Because the whole deal with these is that they they are high production value, like, you know, what is it, what would you call this? A double-A game, Right. Like very expensive indie games, right? Right. They're they're indie game level, AAA level production value, but with a hundred and fifty people working on them, oh, so I that see. everything is everything is just like the best version of itself. Um, there's finite time, and you can't just make a story with this level of like you can't make a movie. You couldn't make Bandersnatch if every choice bifurcated the story from then on right because you'd have to make a you billion could, movies and how crazy would that be <laughs> but sure. so crazy that it would be like the entire history of human effort dedicated to making dedicated to making a single entertainment product yep that you then only allowed people to play once and if they tried to play it again you would execute them yep because come on this is our legacy as a species that you're <laughs> fucking with here in in I I wanted to, like, when I finished this game, I was like, okay, unlike in The Walking Dead, where I felt like Sean Vanneman wrote a story for me that responded to my choices and changed the way that I felt about it. Like, it, the thing about it, like, I remember, like, Emily Short writing a thing saying that, like, player choice changing the plot of a game is the, like, most boring possible thing for player choice to do. And I think that's reductive and very arguable. But the things that I decided, like, The Walking Dead Season 1 is basically about raising a daughter. And you say things, and it says, you know, she's going to remember that you said that. And it's never going to have any effect on gameplay. But still, like, that's your version of of raising your daughter and then in the end spoiler alert like you die and and your daughter has to go on and it doesn't matter like the kind of person that you've turned her into might not be reflected in what happens in the video game but it telling you she will remember this affects your playthrough in a way that makes it yours and that's okay there are actually plot branches but they're not that they like might forget a little bit and then come back together. Yeah, and and, and in in this game it feels like they're even less so. Like you can choose different weapon loadouts, and it changes the cutscene that plays out when Loaderbot is like fighting those guys. Right. But you always win. Like huh. they're Loaderbot. So if, you, if you just don't act, if you no, I, just never like, make a choice. When you say it's like Dragon's Lair, it actually is like Dragon's Lair in that you can lose and have to restart the scene. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you can't, so there are, are there like cool death animations that I missed because I didn't let it Sometimes, play yeah. 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 I got an huh. axe in the head. <laughs> okay. And they'll say like, uh, no, okay, okay, fine. I didn't die, but I could have, oh. and then it, yeah. it yeah, rewinds. So it has Prince the, like, of Persia. 
There are definitely yeah. a bunch of like game overs that you can get uh, okay. if you just fuck up a quick time event. Huh. Okay. At least one quick time event where it was literally impossible to complete it because the whole point was that you couldn't finish it in time that I at least that I remember. Is that true? I'm trying to remember there was one where you're like I tried to pressing it as fast as I could and it was just like not moving yeah. it at all cuz the whole point is that you fail. I would like to outlaw quick time events where you just have to press a key Hammer on, on a, a key. on a computer keyboard really fast. Uh, because that's not good for a keyboard it's or also an old man's game fingers play. and it's like, not very accessible. Yeah. Or fun. I never failed something because of that, and I don't know if it's possible to fail a QTE by not hitting the button fast enough. I think it was in The Walking Dead, right? Like, Yeah. Oh, I, the Walking Dead also had, like, weird... I feel like... I don't think Telltale's ever made a good action sequence. These were and, pretty... I thought the action sequences in this series were pretty good. Yeah. I I saw... The QTEs, a, like, they were choreographed well... I saw a really funny combat sequence from later in this beyond ep- episode one, and it was really good. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this game looks interesting." So I like, I was always aware that this scene. What like, was the What was the sequence? It was saw? some sort of weird, like, I, as my memory of it is like sort of a weird Rube Goldberg esque combat sequence inside a building or a saloon or something like that, hmm. um, where just like crazy shit happens, and it's just kind of funny at the same time. And I was like, "Okay, that's that's cool." There's a huge like building wide like finger guns fight yes, that is that's it. That's okay, it. Okay, yeah. That is that's in the next to last episode. Not explained at all. Like it's out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. It's like but yeah, it's it is treated with the same seriousness as a real the, I thought that the writing in this game is genuinely good and funny. Yeah. yeah I thought like, the, I thought super the, good. Yeah. I thought the People, story was good, the script was good, that well, the 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 acting was really good. Yeah. People are down on Anthony Birch about the kind of memeiness of the writing in Borderlands 2, but like it was fucking fine and this is good. Uh the like, all the all the people that I know that are that dislike the writing in Borderlands 2 really enjoyed the writing in this. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, I, I this was him and this was him and some Telltale folks too, right? I didn't. So. I only played through episode one of this, but I didn't see any like anything that seemed like it was meme based. And there wasn't yeah. that much of it in Borderlands Two either. Like, I mean, right? Like, I feel like the worst thing that I could say about the writing in Borderlands Two was like, oh man, Anthony Birch must have watched a bunch of Archer right before he was writing this. But like, we fucking all do stuff like that like everyone who makes a thing is influenced by the stuff that they were seeing when they make a thing right like there's yeah. not uh and like for the most part the people who criticize that kind of stuff it's like okay maybe your criticisms were valid and i get that this objection that i'm about to make is not a real objection but like i bet you could not do any better like it's easy to think that you can do better at writing a comedy thing but i bet you can't like it's if it like a comedy comedy writing that doesn't land is just most comedy writing for most people right like it's hmm. That's a that's a tricky argument well, to make. That's something though. that I I can't remember if I saw a talk given by Anthony Birch, but like specifically talking about Borderlands Two, the idea that um, 
you fill the the gameplay space with you you fill the game with just jokes as many you just jokes carpet, as you, can. you carpet bum with jokes, <laughs> yes. and, and then some of them land, and, the, and it, that's enough as for long, any individual well, person. The thing is, as long as the jokes that don't land don't make you cringe or say, like or think less of the writer, like that's lazy writing, because sometimes that does happen, right? And then that will ruin the. Uh, and and I think some people's threshold for Borderlands Two was hit by some of the writing. As being like extra meme I mean, the same thing like people kind of criticized about. I don't know if it was like specifically the stuff that our friend Nick wrote for Guacamele, but Guacamele got some criticism for like also being kind of meme And it's like, yeah, okay, but a you're, lot of you're people. You're saying like meme, a lot of humor, and not meme. Really like, like that. Yeah, meme, M E M E. Why? Not M E M E. M E dash M E. Yeah. Okay. Also, a lot of people like it, you know, and like you. What's, there is, what's the difference between meme humor and referential humor? I mean, it's I don't think there is yeah, a difference. Very, it's very just referential to like yeah. the way that the way that jokes on the Internet work. I, see. I mean, it, it's OK. I so it's there's like going to be like a difference. Using... It'd be that uh, a meme one is a, a, a reference to something that's already been extremely referenced by people like, I, already. I would I would make the distinction that like a meme humor is like something you might see on the Arby's Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I bet at no point in Borderlands 2 was there like a straight up just the cake is a lie thing, right? Yeah, I don't I don't remember any the only the only directly referential joke I remember in Borderlands Two, well, I didn't play through the entire game, uh, was that uh, there was like a creeper that you could find and blow up, but that was an Easter egg. That wasn't like a uh, right. Uh, that wasn't a thing you right. were gonna see unless you were definitely like scouting around, pushing every corner, looking for Easter eggy type stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> I like the writing in this game a lot. Yeah. What I don't like is that that writing is delivered via video game VO, which means that like in every comedic exchange, there's like an extra one and a half seconds of delay between every call and every response, which just ruins the timing of literally every joke. Oh, really? Yeah. That might have just been that I was playing it on an extremely non-performant laptop. But like only yeah, only when there was just really how that. I didn't notice that, it. Either. That's just how th like especially it's if just like, how VO works in yeah. games, right? Like yeah, you can't... when you're we're playing individual lines of dialogue, and I I forget if this game is the kind of game where you put, have to push a button to hear the next line. It's not okay. Uh, does did you so you didn't really resonate with oxen for you? But like that is very different. Where they like literally talk over each other and cut each other off and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I had that bug that prevented me from making gameplay progress in Oxenfree that made me kind of give up on it. Firewatch, it makes sense that there's a little bit of a delay yeah, because, because you're talking on walkie-talkies, right? Yeah. And that's kind of built in. I don't remember having this problem in The Walking Dead, but The Walking Dead was not full of, like, jokes the right. way that this is, where it's like, wow, fuck, that would have been funnier if that person had replied a half a second faster. Hmm which was just constantly happening to me watching this. And it's just it's just a problem with video games. It's not a problem with this video game. 
So, well, but it's not, I, it's I think, not a fundamental problem. I, mean, no, no I, I, I think the, the problem is that they didn't have somebody whose job it was to to actually go in and, and tweak the timing of the dialogue. Like, for example, I, I saw um, a talk where they described the process for um, tuning dialogue in Portal. In Portal, yeah, it was just Portal, I think. Probably Portal 2 does it as well. But, like, where they would, like, go in there... Uh, and like say no, it's funnier if we shift it back thirty milliseconds, and they would just have somebody like the writers, like actually re- replaying the scenes uh, with the new timing and then iterating on that. It's and because they just have the resources to sit and polish this one game for years. The uh, one of the first things they do with like a Pixar film is get the actors in and record all the like they've written the script. They get the actors in and they record all the dialogue. This is before any animations really happening, uh, and they will do like dozens of takes of lines, and then they will go through Just thread and thread syllables together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they will construct a single line out of twenty takes, and it like the the attention to detail and timing and everything like that they do on that is mind-boggling to me on the other hand i've heard it's like the kind of the kind of painstaking effort that can only be applied by a dedicated sex murderer (laughs) i I have heard that telltale tool was kind of a weird primitive thing so like maybe they really couldn't stream the vo in fast enough oh man speaking of which i like i loved vaughn but vaughn's like uh, canceled what (laughs) the 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 nick brecken character the like accountant guy is chris hardwick so we're not allowed to like him anymore but that's pretty good he was probably my least favorite character (laughs) really (laughs) uh i only know three characters so far and i or i guess four if you count the the other friend who likes lunch all right five because there's the guy who's like the fear and loathing in las vegas guy (laughs) but no, he, was oh, wait, the, he was the least the, of the yeah. five. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy. That guy only exists in that. That guy's cool and only exists in that scene, and oh. that sucks. <laughs> it, this one, this game, I feel like leans a little hard into the like X will remember that text as there jokes. Like, like they're twenty m- mostly jokes in the first episode, and not and you can't. This was like my problem with Josh making jokes in the item pluralizations in KOL is like. Look, this works if one out of every thousand is a joke. It doesn't work if a hundred out of every thousand are a joke. <laughs> right. And well, maybe they were relying on like, well, you've played all of the games we've made like this. Yeah, right. So by volume, yeah. Uh, it's funny if it's for items that you can never get more than one of. So it, sure, it only exists in the database. <laughs> right. That's no. That's that's it's only for us. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. But no, it's just like it. There was something to be said for like. In the entirety of the first season of The Walking Dead, there was maybe one thing where you're talking to somebody who's drunk and it says, like, Jeff will not remember this. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was extremely powerful yeah, yeah. as a one-off. And this one is just like, ah, well, okay, now this is just like... This is just like a gag ticker across the uh, across the top of the screen, and like that's that's fine. also another argument for against carpet bombing jo- the player with jokes. Any given one of those could have been the joke, yeah. But you yeah. should have just picked the best one. Th- that said, they did not have a lot of time to work on it. Like that's yeah. the There's the production schedule for these things. Is, Man, is I listened to uh, so on Twitter as I was when I was about to leave for ZapCon. 
and drive back to Arizona. Mike Bithell uh, of Thomas Was Alone and Subsurface Circular and, and Quarantine Wick. Circular and John Wick. What? Isn't that isn't that who's directing the new John Wick game? I don't think I so. Thought the, Mike, that's Mike you were, I thought that's why you were bringing it up. Bithell. He tweeted oh, about is this. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. I, they're like anyway, you're in the development. It's apparently nuts. He was. He said, "All right, you know." He, he was talking about like uh, there must be something wrong with me. I'm going back to this 36 hour Star Trek: The Next Generation audio book, and I like what? And I went into the replies. I'm like, somebody has to ask him what this is so that he will say. It. And then he pointed. Out, there is this. There is a. There is like a 75 hour series of audio books called the 50 year journey which is just an oral history of star trek and the first volume is just about the original series and the first few movies and the second volume is about the next generation and so i probably listened to 20 hours of audio wait so is it the history of the 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 creation of the show yeah okay yeah and it was it like the the entire week that I spent building out room escape props in Arizona prior to Zapcon, I was just listening to writers and directors and actors from Star Trek The Next Generation, like for the most part, only talking about what an asshole Gene Roddenberry was. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was it was all just like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, that like all of these like classic episodes that you remember, we were just like so drunk and we had four days to write it and then we like we were just like oh jesus christ so we would go to the roof and smoke weed and then come back down and try to write some more of it i was like oh fucking everything in the world is made uh-huh. in a last minute panic <laughs> yeah with no money and no time and like it's it's remarkable that anything ever like resonates more than an hour later right like it's <laughs> Well, but what about those things that are like that take seven years, right? Like there are also things that take seven years and they're not necessarily like... Like Tobias and the Magic Scepters. Well, I was thinking like The Witness or Fez or something, right? Like where they're like good games, but they're like, you, you don't think of them as like, <sighs> yeah, these but are like a thousand but times better than They're the not, right? And there there are fewer of them. And, and just yeah. like thinking about it, I don't know. I, I feel like video games are an interesting example of like a video game will take, especially nowadays, three years to make... But probably the last couple of months was that that moment of them like, oh, oh God, we need to get this out the door. Right. And so and it I has mean, both aspects You couldn't to have it. done it without the years of work before that in the same way that you couldn't just like, oh, shit, we have two weeks to come up with something. Let's write an episode of a TV show that doesn't exist. Like you wouldn't <laughs> be able to do that, right? Like you're, you're working on the skeleton of this show that's been created. I like... I can wholeheartedly recommend this book. It's called The 50-Year Mission, and the one that I listened to was The Second 25 Years, which starts with, which I don't really understand, a, a, like a Star Trek saga where the at the midpoint is the next generation, which at Just this... literally temporarily, I think it was 25 years after the, the first one. In right? story terms? Because, like, the next generation is way closer to the original series in time than it is to now. I mean, is there... No, there is a there is a currently a Star Trek show happening. <sighs> yeah. yeah, and and like the next generation started in like eighty six or eighty seven. When was the when was the original series? In the sixties. So twenty. It was almost so twenty years later. If it were yeah. if it was the early sixties, and we're now then almost forty years. Year. For, like, huh? 
Uh, maybe it only goes well, to no, twenty five years after plus. next generation. Yeah, anyway, like, anyway, yeah. anyway, this this is real good. But that but this game, like, you know that that Tales from the Borderlands was made in a just a series of last <laughs> minute, afternoon. in a series of last minute panics, right? Like sure. by by these people, and and I mean that's how everything is. Like everything yeah. that's not. At the end of Glittermitten Grove, which is a game I spent three years on, there I, I remember like just doing last minute uh, adjustments to the trailer, which was made in like a weekend, and it really kind of explained why. Like you, you might see a a movie like a Kubrick film with like not a hair out of place, where they've 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 the care put into it is astonishing, and then like the movie poster is some like design hack job that <laughs> somebody put together in half an hour. Like it, it, it's very, it was a, it was a very interesting perspective to have. Yeah. The, the thing that you're using to sell this thing, the thing that you spent a, three years making, you then spent a weekend trying to figure out how to sell it. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, Oh fuck, we need a trailer. Jesus Christ. Who do we know that can make a trailer in three days? Yeah. yeah. Like, we Tales we did, from the we Borderlands did is better on West. Of we Blood did better Band. on trailers, for but that. only because, because we just we, knew it. We have a friend who makes video game trailers. Well, but we also like early on like hired somebody to say these are the here's things, what you need to do to market this game, to do. and that made a big difference. Tales from the Borderlands feels so. I I don't know. It's like I. I was expecting to play one episode of this so that I could have an opinion about it to to talk about on the podcast, but I was like, "Oh fuck, I actually this is good. I really want to see where this goes." And it's weird because like there's no pathos really. Like the stakes because everything is so goofy reminds me of Archer a lot, actually. Yeah, no. I mean, Borderlands 2 was just Archer the video game yeah which was i think a lot of what got what it got criticized for huh. also weirdly riff didn't you hate archer uh i will admit i only watched like one episode of archer but yeah i didn't like any of the characters in archer hmm. i thought it, like it, it was like watching uh like how i feel watching seinfeld now where like all huh. of these characters just, are everyone's dicks. an asshole yeah okay it's only the main Character who's the main male character who's a total dick. Everybody else seems like there's kind of nobody. Like maybe everybody is self interested. Maybe but like... Cyril is a quasi relatable character in Archer, but that's oh, in Archer, it. yeah, Archer yeah. is bad. I'm talking about the Tales from the Borderlands. I feel okay, like. oh. I thought you were talking about no, either sorry. Archer or Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, I think this was kind of going for that. Didn't quite pull it off. So, like, everybody's sympathetic. Everybody's kind of likable, especially if you're making likable choices that, yeah, with the them, yeah. right? Yeah. But then it doesn't... There just kind of aren't any stakes. Because, like, Borderlands as a franchise is so, like, casual with death right. that, like, you're like, well... Uh, but if it's funny, then it, that'll pull you through it. Yep. Yeah. But it's funny, and so it's, like emotionally intense moments don't necessarily work. Also, like, people talk about how great the music is. Boy, I don't like the music. 
I, I can't say I even noticed the music. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. There's I that don't, opening song. I don't like when I don't like when a score has lyrics. Like wow, I think, think that, I would like, remember that the credits music from <laughs> Jim will remember this. <laughs> the, yeah, Jim will, the credits music from Dishonored, where it's like suddenly there's just like a soulful dude singing some lyrics. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What did like, you think of the portal, the end of Portal? Yeah, I mean it's a good song, uh-huh. but it's a bad score element like it's it's but like it's, an it's like anime bullshit where it's like you're like you've played some video game and then suddenly oh there's a japanese woman singing words that i don't know cool well, but every the, the reason people put music with lyrics at the end of video games is that's what they do at the end of movies like that's just that's just practice there if they want it to feel more like a movie then but they've often like hired somebody to write a song about the movie except they've only they they had to make the song before the movie was actually done, so the person writing the song doesn't really know about it. I mean, and you're not like not everyone is a not everyone is Tina Turner, right? Like not everybody is gonna write a "We Don't Need Another Hero," like which is like a good song if you just listen to it, and it's kind of written such that it's about nothing. <laughs> In addition to also kind of being about the movie. Another hero. If yeah, it's a lot about two not or three needing heroes, hero. and you don't want another but, hero. <laughs> I like in the it like, and everyone everyone yelled at me because like my main criticism of the in the Valley of Gods trailer was like, this music is fucking terrible for this thing. It's like this is a modern song that is totally undercutting. The idea that this is a thing that takes place in the twenties. What was the what kind of what was the genre of music? Would you say in the trailer? Because I don't remember that in the it's in the L- Valley of Gods LP, trailer. It's like a female vocalist. It's a great a rock, song. The rock. It's a great song. Okay, so it's rock music. It's rock. Yeah. It's ju- and and it's like it's got some like chanting kind of stuff. Like it's I like I get why they chose it for this, but I I just personally think that like. Like music with lyrics is a bad idea for a score. I I, I mean that said, like you I know. think I agree in terms of like if this is something you're going to be doing at during gameplay, but like end credits, like doesn't I wouldn't say that score. This is not just end credits though. Like there's music with lyrics all throughout. Okay. Yeah. Through, I, through every action scene and in Borderlands, so it is. It lyrics. is weird to me that I, I just did not. I just didn't notice the lyrics. I guess. What about how? What, how do you feel about like the Super Giant games? With the their music. Use? I always. I don't. I always skip the songs that have lyrics hmm. when I'm listening to the soundtrack because the reason that I like I'm listening to those soundtracks while I'm working and I want to listen to something. I well, mean, while I, you're playing the game, I guess. Yeah, while I'm playing the game, I think I don't notice it at all. Okay. I always skip the songs with lyrics on the Amelie soundtrack, which is another thing that I listen to when I'm working. But I think in a game with VO, I don't want there and and I I'm assuming that this never happens where there's talking that's happening at the same time as lyrics in the background, but yeah, I don't know. What if the characters from the game sang a song? Musical game. That would at least be like what it was. Okay. 
Anyway, sorry for that derail. Austin from our office walked by and was like, are you playing Tales from the Borderlands? Yeah, and he was like, ah, that game has a great soundtrack. Huh. I was just thinking the opposite. <laughs> it's real good, though. This yeah. game is real good. Yeah. Agreed. I can I can now understand why people say that this is like the next best game that Telltale ever did to The Walking Dead Season 1 because it just kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, like, I the the dialogue is real real witty, sparkling. I really enjoyed it. I'm hoping that I will choices have... and then there's funny responses to each of your choices, yeah. I think like yeah. And I I really liked the line, "It is a nice haircut." <laughs> Hopefully I will have the uh, attention span necessary to continue to play more of it. Yeah, it's like 10 hours. I, I would not have finished it if I had not been in Arizona where I had a lot of time with just nothing to do and a laptop that would almost run this video game. <laughs> I was bummed out because I, I kind of had to keep playing it on my laptop because I don't know if there were cloud saves. And so even today mm. I like played the last couple episodes like, ah, fuck it. This is so slow and bad. There's some good characters, though. Does Claptrap show up ever? He's credited, but I never saw him. So I don't know. Maybe there are some choices that you can make. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, 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 With all of these types of games, I always want to know how different you could possibly make the story. In the end, you're like assembling a team for the final mission and there's a big array of people and it's like you click on them and it tells you whether you've unlocked them or not. Oh, and they are usually based on a single dialogue choice hmm. in a previous episode, wow. which is just like whether you Does it, whether does you said it tell the right you what the determining point was? Yeah, it does. Wow. Uh, and there were like half of them that I hadn't unlocked. And there was one that was like, yeah, you killed this guy. So he's way too dead to help you in the final mission. <laughs> um, and there was one that was like, you didn't gather and you didn't collect enough money. Hmm. And so, you know, you can't, you can't Pay afford this character. Um, but yeah, I don't know what happens. I don't know if there are like enough fallback ones that you can always. Well, yeah, I mean, I... there there must be. A minimum there must, enough to get a full team, right? There must be, but I did not have there were not enough of them that if that I could like if I had killed this guy and then said a different thing in this conversation, the person who killed him would not come with me because of the thing I said, and he would not come with me because he was dead, and I was choosing three from like five options. So like I don't hmm. I don't know what tricks they do to make it so you can finish when you do that. That that seems like it's kind of one of the only and it's and it's like a sort of a weird like the final thing that you do is kind of not related to anything else. It's really like uh we've just reached this point and now we're doing all the math on your flags and then you do the end of the story and then like we know which characters are definitely still alive and we know which ones might be still alive and so we give them some you know, it's kind of mass effecty in that way, but you know, but it's fine. The choices you make are the way that you feel about your character. Right. It's a cool world. I wish that I was better at video games and could play Borderlands two or Borderlands one or Hellgate London, which is 
the true Borderlands. Huh. I mean, Hellgate London was secretly the game that spawned the genre that Borderlands gets credited with spawning. It's just that Hellgate London was awful and not finished and a huge bummer. Was it any of the same people? I don't think so. Interesting. But it was basically just like FPS Diablo, which turned into like mm. Destiny and yeah. Anthem. Like my understanding is that those people went on to make Torchlight. Yeah, they did. Uh, which was well received, and then they made a Torchlight two, and I'm not sure if that one was. I think it kind of was. It was. Yeah. So, I didn't. I didn't like it. I thought it was really boring. Well, I think you could say that about any of the Diablo spawned. Uh, yeah, they're they're very like the. They're grindy, and the point is the grind. Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, Hellgate London was ambitious. And it probably wouldn't have even worked if they hadn't run out of money. But like, you got to go shoot some demons in the British Museum. That was cool. Got to spend a lot of time running around the British Museum in a video game, in a virtual world, before I went there in the real world. Was there was a Rosetta Stone there? Eh, probably. Okay. There were some demons, for sure. <laughs> there was a Crucian stone. There was a, in the beta of Hellgate London, there was a quest giver who talked entirely in Morrissey quotes, oh. and I loved him. And then when they launched, they fucking replaced all of his dialogue with just like boring, like, this is like saying the same thing that we used to use a Morrissey quote for, but now it's just like a thing an asshole in a video game would say. And I was very sad about it. Yeah, I know. Like, why couldn't you just leave my beautiful boy? Anyway. We can't have any style in this video game. Yeah. Thank you to uh, our Patreon backer, Jarm Spankleton, who suggested that we play Tales from the Borderlands, like, probably two years ago. Yeah, we we, we need to... Yeah, finish we, this so that we, can we got really stalled out on doing Patreon backer requests because the only two that we had left were two like twelve-hour commitments. Yeah, um, which I was the only one who actually committed to. You guys just did the first half hour or hour of it, and you're yep, pretending that you hours. somehow you are pretending that you somehow deserve to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, let's get some more uh, Patreon backer suggestions for assignments. Okay, but in the meantime. What's our next assignment? Uh, we are playing Hello Neighbor. What's that, Kevin? Uh, it is a very weird game that's about sort of solving puzzles to uh, spy on your neighbor, kind of. And he's a man with a mustache. Yep. And he's very mad at you. Yep. Why is he mad at you? Because you're snooping. Snoop, snooping, breaking windows and stuff. Um, I, I hope I really want everyone to at least get to the sort of second stage of the game because things change pretty dramatically, and I'm curious hmm. about your thoughts at that point. I don't want I like you, you need to spend more than like 15 minutes playing the game. You need to commit to like yeah, riff. <laughs> hey man, riff. You need to spend more than 15 minutes playing the game, riff. I I never said I'd ever play more than half an hour or nothing, but but okay. <laughs> Gentlemen. I've had a long time recording episode number 370 of Video Games Hot Talk with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. Slightly shorter, 371. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you don't, you're dead.
No, you do. if you do, we're dead. If you do, you'll live oh. forever. I don't like these choices. What choices would you prefer, Riff? Riff, if they don't, what? Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> and if they do, what? Hello. <laughs> Good. Fair enough. It's very Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Cockaboo Boobalaya. Have a nice day. Good night, everybody. Have a great week, everyone.